Previously on AFTN. Score prediction. First of all, for Wednesday night, LAFC. I say six points for the week. No? Nothing? Wow. Okay. What are you drinking? No, he no. is the king in the north. <laughs> he's, he's got the Doobie Brothers going. Um, uh, the, uh, I think I th- I'm, this is the optimistic side of me. I'm hoping they draw against LAFC and they possibly pick up three points Orlando I don't think that's possible so, so wait your crazy thing was six points you're less crazy <laughs> than four, like, like four points Everybody and welcome to another episode of the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. And a happy Easter to everybody. It's one of my favourite days of the year because, as I say every year, it's the precursor to my favourite day of the year, It's cheap chocolate egg day on Monday and I will be getting up bright and early to make sure that I am first in line to get all these cheap chocolate eggs from Walmart and Superstore. That's why we're on at nine o'clock this week. I am the egg man, Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pender. And I'm the Jesus-loving Zachary Adam Eisenhower. And we will encompass all that in tonight's show. There'll be chocolate Jesuses. There'll be eggs in the shape of Jesus. Really? I don't know where I'm going with this. Yeah. I'll just move on. We are going to be talking a lot about white caps. Two games to cover. We're not going to be doing our normal stuff with that. We'll get to that. We're going to look at the win against LAFC. What? I know. The first one. I can't believe it. Good Do call. you remember the first time? No. Good call, Steve-O. Well, I didn't predict it, but I thought they had a chance. Well, you were optimistic, as we heard at the start there. Yeah. You wanted six out of six on Wednesday. After that win was secured, Steve wanted that win in Orlando so badly because he wanted to crow at the start of the show about predicting six points and us mocking him. In the end, he went for four. He still got it wrong, so we'll mock him anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Because, yes, the Whitecaps, oh, so close, a ball hair away from getting that extra point to make it the four that you predicted. A what away? A ball hair. Ball hair. Pubes. (laughs) Not a phrase you people use here, I'm guessing, by the looks on your faces. 
I'm sure. Well, the I was just surprised you used that I, here. I thought it was another, like maybe more appropriate thing. I didn't understand for no. It's it's a very Scottish phrase. Right. Oh, it's just missed by a ball here, because they're so thin. Or at least mine are. I don't know if you've got thick and bushy. I haven't seen them. We're off to a great start. That's Easter for you. Which I've had chocolate. I'll be even more hyper. But it has been an emotional roller coaster of a week for for Whitecaps fans. That one win, that one loss. We'll delve into some of the things, but I want to kick it off by getting you to sum up in one word how you're feeling after these two games. I think I feel refreshed. Really? No explanation, though. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why I feel fine. refreshed. I'm feeling fine. Fine. Wow. Because I, the thing is, I, I see kind of what they want to do. It's just a matter, I don't, I don't think they have the people to do it. Yeah, I, I see what they want to do as well. Win football matches and play <laughs> football. I agree with Steve. I don't think they have the players that can do that. Although we did win on Wednesday, so that negates that a little bit. I think, yeah, I think your assessments are understandable. Uh, yeah, I miss. I didn't get to. I wasn't at Wednesday's game, so I didn't get to enjoy it. Oh. Well, you guys did. No, I was, oh, I was working. So you still have to see the first one in person. In person, yeah. Oh. Uh, and then, and then Saturday, I listened to most of it on the on the radio. That must have been exciting for you. <laughs> did you not drift I, off at times? Cor- I did Corey, watch it. Corey Basso and, and Colin Muir, they, they made it sound exciting. Yes. The, well, they're a good commentary team. Well, the one thing, like, and I, I highly appreciate Colin Miller. He's uh, been generous with his time over the years. Uh, there was, he, I mean, he has a few phrases that he likes to use. Uh, Ball here? No, that's no. not one of them. But one of the things he said multiple, t- multiple times in the broadcast was, for, <laughs> for any young person <laughs> listening to our broadcast, I was like, I don't think there's too many young people listening <laughs> to, to the radio. But I could be wrong. I, if he had said for any young people listening to the wireless, that would have been yeah, even would, better. Yeah, yeah. But no, they they, they 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 did good to make this the game sound uh, more exciting. Because yeah, as I got home, as I watched that stuff, probably was as, better than not to see the yeah. Because as yeah. I watched stuff and then I heard stuff and I read stuff, I was most people were like not super impressed. Yeah, but they they made it sound wonderful. For me, I'm tossing up between frustrated and disappointed. Frustrated because we know that this how this team can play, what they're capable of, and they just aren't getting to that level yet. Disappointed though, because I, I kind of feel everyone wasn't quite a high after Wednesday. It, it was a very upbeat atmosphere down in the locker room and just talking to reporters and supporters, and everyone seemed quite up. And it just seems that I, I, I hate to use the phrase fine lines, but you're still half mine. We, we were so close to having a four point thing in those two yeah. games, but losing that game. It makes it feel like it was a really bad week. No. No? No. You're just you've looking read, at it. You've not read Twitter then. You're Well, that's... Up, <laughs> I don't trust the people that are usually on Twitter. Uh, they, You can't look at it that way. Do you, They do not understand that's a long trip uh, in like three days where they basically had no prep time or very little prep time. No charter. No yes, charter, I, which I, is... I will come to that. Yeah. Um, Might even queue up a song, maybe not. And they held on in there. The only reason they lost a point there was because Nanny got in the way of a shot. Because if that shot was not, if he wasn't there, that was going right into the breadbasket of Zach McMath it, and not, gathered up. It's not so much that, though, that everyone has been up in arms about. It's the overall performance or oh, lack on the Orlando of excitement. game. Yeah. Well, 
Well, wasn't it? They'll, 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 they'll come at that. Let, let, let's you can't start. please everybody, and who if you, you can't please those people, then forget it. And yeah. the, 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 who cares? You really should read Twitter and, and Facebook. The LA game was not that far off, though, either. It wasn't a lot of just sitting back and yeah. trying to they counter. Got, they got the goal. That, which, doesn't that sound a lot like, I don't know, previous years? Yes. Sorry. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm serious. The one thing I do want to point out, Michael, is you asked us for one word, and you gave us two. I said I was tossing up. Oh, all right. Can't. So that's all I got to say before I give you a longer answer yeah. next time. That's a toss-up between these eight thoughts in my mind. <laughs> that's what you usually do. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to do our usual good, bad, and ugly breakdown of the matches because there was two and there's a lot to talk about and we want to just keep the two matches to this first part. But the LAFC game, it had a lot of positives. You got the high of getting that first victory of the season. A second clean sheet of the campaign. And overall, they, they did put on a, a pretty solid all-round performance against the Supporters' Shield leaders. And it was all done with a lineup that, when a lot of folks saw it, they must have thought, what the hell? Because I know I did when I saw it in training on Tuesday. I was like, that's interesting. But at this stage, you kind of have to try a few things. I mean, you there'd be some rotations. But it, it was interesting, and I, I thought it worked. So just... Some quick thoughts about the overall performance against Ellie. Well, you, I, as much as I just said that it was a, felt a little bit kind of bunkering and countering uh, a, a fairly dominant side this year, or the dominant side this year, you, some would argue, uh, I think the, the, the primary thing is they got the job done, right? Like that, like you can't you can't argue with that. And so uh, anyone who has issues with uh, LA or the, the LAFC game on Wednesday uh, probably need, needs to focus more on the, re- the result that they got, especially in the context of having, what, two draws in six games before that or whatever. Yeah. And so uh, I, 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 I can't I, – I, for, for me, it's hard to see beyond the result, and the result was what yeah, they wanted. that's so. how I've always they, they beat the team that was undefeated and considered the best team in the league. Yes. Yeah. And, and uh, based on the way they played, the way not even their results. You'll, you'll yeah. Think, wow. well, but they also, again, for the for Wednesday, they well, yeah. they altered their lineup significantly. That, that's what I was going to say. But they like, still had the, the a strong attack up top. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, you've got the, the big positive for keeping that clean sheet because Diego – Rossi and Carlos Vela, they were pretty much neutered on Wednesday night. There wasn't a lot from them. The way you said there sounded like three people. Diego, yeah. <laughs> Rossi, and Carlos Vela. <laughs> but I said Diego, and I was like, wait a minute, that isn't his last name. And then I was like, yeah, Diego, Rossi. But, I mean, they basically neutered them. They kept him at bay. They had a couple of half chances. Rossi was and, just letting his mouth move and, more and, than his And legs. they kept him separated, too. They didn't yeah, let them they did connect really well. at all, very much at all. you got to keep them separated. Yeah. But... You can maybe counter that by saying LAFC, they put out a makeshift young defence, three changes to their back four. We only managed one goal against that, but that's all you need. If you keep a clean sheet, you're going to win games, and you just if you can get a goal, you'll at least get a point. Did the relief of getting that first win, though, maybe cloud our judgement about what we saw on there? Or is that just being harsh because... We know what followed on the Saturday. I think it's probably a bit of twenty twenty, you know, retrospective uh, thinking. But yeah, no, I think the there was just joy to finally have a re- to finally have a win. You, you saw the relief at the end. Yeah, players sank down to the pitch. For me, the standouts: Ali Adnan, outstanding. Matt Crepeau, solid and goal. PC for me was a a bit of a revelation. He was really good. 
We, we've seen him. He's got a couple of shots. We've seen it in pre-season. I've seen it at training. That shot that crashed off the bar for the goal, it was fantastic. But he got up and down that wing really well. I was yeah. quite impressed by him. And he connected with Adnan really well. He, he, yeah. he celebrated like it was an assist he got. Mm. <laughs> Did you, you've seen, right? He was so excited. Well, it kind of was. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. he, unless he calls that, it. Is that ice hockey assist? I don't know. Like, I don't know no, what that's it's a Scottish not. assist. Oh, so, oh, there you go. <laughs> But I mean, they all, they all did well. And you got to give it to the centre backs too, because the centre backs they they kept yeah. what they needed to do to keep those guys off the sheet. Again, Daniel Henry, when going up against a big player, doing well. First goal as a white cap. First goal in MLS for Inbomboang. The the pressure has been on him. I, I'd been told that he was really starting to feel the pressure a little bit because he really takes this designated player tag seriously. He feels it brings added expectations on him. And it does. We've talked about that before. You could maybe say, maybe somebody maybe needs to have a little word with Joaquin Ardiez and maybe <laughs> explain to him the, the same kind of thing as well. But he has been putting a lot of pressure on himself, partly because he knows he's coming as an international player. He's been highly touted. He could have had a move to Europe, but he's come here. He's talked before about how he felt... That, yeah, he's played well, but he's not been happy with his performances because the team hasn't won. And you saw the relief when he scored, but at the end of the match, he sank down to the ground. And he was on there for a good 10, 15 seconds. It was just exhaustion and relief mixed in. And I asked Mark DeSantis after, after the match just about that. Here's what he had to say. Uh, Inbom seems to be a player that he takes defeats bad and he puts a lot of pressure on himself being a, a designated player as well. Getting a goal like that tonight, a winning goal and getting that win, what is that going to mean to him? Because he seemed so relieved at the final whistle. Yeah, we we spoke uh, this week and one of the conversations I, I had uh, with him was he, he can't feel pressure. Inbom is not, he doesn't have the, the, the history of Carlos or Zlatan or Wayne Rooney. He doesn't have, this is, Inbom is a player that is not finished. It's a player that is still in development. And he cannot play with the pressure that he has to carry the Whitecaps on his back because he cannot do that alone. Uh, he's an important player for the roster. He needs to play with freedom, to play in his role. And if he focuses on that, the team's going to get better and he's going to get better. So, Marta Santos, they are basically saying that, yeah, there, there is some pressure on Huang. And... It's going to be a huge weight off his back to get that. Oh, you could tell after the. He, and he mentioned it too that what MDS told him that he was like, uh, he's not a finished product. He's a developing product. I, I like that. And it, and, it tempers fans' expectations. As and well. also, he was uh, Huang was definitely not feeling the pressure. He was cracking jokes at the at the end of the, yes. at the press conference. So he was he was uh, it was a different Wang than we normally saw. Yeah, lots of joy in that celebration. You could, yeah. yeah, you could feel the release. You, you feel there's going to be a lot more. To, to come from him and he nearly did get one against Orlando now we'll talk about the walkout in the match in part 5 because we're going to talk, talk about the ongoing White Cats abuse scandal in, in the fifth part of tonight's show but there was one other high from Wednesday night that I just want to play for you it was a chat that Steve had with a very bitter Bob Bradley after the match do you think it was more than the, the number of changes you made or were, were some of the players looking forward to Seattle too much or what do you think it was? None of the, you know, we made changes. Uh, the field is shit. Uh, so it's a hard game to play. 
Um, and we don't have enough guys that play well. So, nothing to do with Seattle. Obviously, you had Mark DeSantos under your, your wing the whole year last year. How do you feel like he's going with his game? And Do you think he knew something about your team when, when you approached it today? Well, of course he knows about our team. Um, but uh, I think that, you know, the game played out uh, as one would expect. Uh, home game for them where they need points. Uh, they put a lot into it. Uh, they were organized, uh, as always. Mark does an excellent job on that end. Uh, I think we were slow to play our way into the game. Uh, I think that... Uh, that some of our young guys still in terms of the, the pace of the game some uh, were a little bit below the pace but that's why they need games you know so I think that in terms of an all around team effort that part wasn't quite as good as it would need to be yeah I mean uh, that's that's what games are like here um, honestly the field's terrible so you know if you want to try to play football playing football on that field's not easy so for me I that part drives me crazy that in this league we all want quality of play, quality of play, quality of play. It's impossible on that field. So you guys never write that, but I'm just telling you, it's impossible. Well, Absolutely write, impossible. We regularly write about it. So good. <laughs> write, write about it more. <laughs> I meant I mean we talk about it, not yeah. write about it. <laughs> I, I think we know where Michael Bradley gets his, his serpus from. Yeah. Um, I just want to also let you know that after I, I cut the audio because I, I thought it was over, but he then he said to us afterwards, oh, nobody's going to ask about the red card? Okay, that's fine. I'll, t- I'll talk to this guy about the red card. It was MLS official. I think he met the Wang's red co- tackle on no, Mossy. Might or? have been Wang's or Henry's tackle on uh, oh, Bla- Blessing oh, yeah. earlier in yeah, the match. Yeah. He never he never got to specifics because they'll be asked about it. Actually, b- both of those, I, I'm surprised it wasn't reviewed. Yeah. Maybe they were, but uh, well, the nails looked a little reckless. Technically, everything's reviewed, mm. but yeah. And no. Wang did kick the guy in the knee, so yes. <laughs> I don't know. The way that our luck's been going with VAR, I'm kind of kind of surprised. But talking about the turf, now Zlatan was here, and he performed on it, and he said it was the best turf he's seen in MLS. Then you've got Bob Bradley making those comments, and like no one wants a turf pitch. We, we'd all like a grass pitch, but it's what we it's what we have. Yeah, we're stuck with it. It's not going anywhere. We'd all love a uh, waterfront stadium. Yeah, that's not going to happen now. It but, seems like. I mean, it's we need to use it to our advantage if teams hate it that much. But I know Zach, you were listening to something this week where yeah, so, they weren't happy about so, the turf either. So everyone has a podcast now, right? Like everyone in the, like yes. everyone in the Lower Mainland, I think, has one. But uh, <laughs> Harvey and Betasher have their own, right? Yes, which we'll be talking about in part three. Yes. So uh, I signed up to listen to their podcast because I appreciate Stephen Beta or Jordan and Beta, and. Um, so I sign up for so I get all these other things that I don't want. <laughs> from, Is it free to sign up? Yeah, it's just like a subscription just, on, yeah, uh-huh, on yeah. whatever your your podcast. They probably have an LAFC podcast. Yeah, they, have channel, an LA, they yes. do different podcasts. Okay, yes. yeah, because so, I'd listened to one of theirs and I was like, oh, I'd- yeah. So there's yeah, there's a it's like a, it's like their channel and they have different shows on it kind of thing. So uh, they uh, so I don't I've only listened to the beta and, and Harvey stuff so far, obviously. Uh, but this came up uh, my feed and it was like. About the turf, so I was like, oh, I think I'll listen to this. So it was Max Bredos, if you remember from Sox, uh, Fox uh, Sports yeah, yeah. World Canada yeah. back in the day, um, and some other guy named Vince. I don't know who he is. I didn't bother to look up who he was, but they're like, I think they're commentators, or you know, Max Bredos is. He does all kinds of communication stuff for them, broadcast stuff for them. 
but yeah, they too went on about the about the turf as well. So obviously they, I think, connected with Bob and got his his perspective and the players' perspective on it. The one thing that I found interesting in all that they said, in addition to what you already heard, Mr. Bradley just just say there, is that um, they said they were here last year, and the comparison between the turf at BC Place last year to this year is significant in their opinion, in terms of it's. They said it's so much harder. Uh, yeah, so someone else told me that. I can't remember who it was. Like earlier in this season, they said it's a lot harder this year. So I don't know if that means the more shows and events were on it over the winter and the more thing those things were down over top of it, pushing Maybe. it down and compressing it or what, but... But we need to use it to our advantage, which kind of means we need to get in and train on that before matches, but which we have... We did for the first game, but we haven't Yeah, because really they, since they, have to pay, they have to pay extra for that, is yeah. my understanding, but... Uh, well, yes, we, we know they don't like paying extra for like getting in to train on pitches, maybe charter flights to long trips, yeah, there, things like that. There you go. But they need to use their advantage, but like, I think like Bradley said there, they're playing some anti-football in some ways. Yeah. Now, if we're talking about the charter flight as I was there, it's a nice little segue to get onto the Orlando game. So again, I said this last week, and I'm going to state it again. The White Caps should have chartered to this match. That was Might I thought it was a given. Result. I thought it was a given. Yeah. Almost. You have like what, like four a year you can use. Yeah. No, I'm telling you that this would have made a massive difference because you don't have, oh, I think it was a 12-hour trip or something like that. It took them to get I think they went a, via Salt Lake. With a, yeah, they did, yeah. But, they but the whole that. traveling day I heard was like 10, 12 hours. Because there was yeah. layovers and they had to stop. Yeah. Now, Last time they went, they got yeah. delayed. Yeah, because of tornado. storms and stuff, yeah. Yeah, and then they won that match, and they felt great that they saved all the yeah. money. Now, look, they, 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 were, they were doing decently against Orlando. They, you can tell that they kind of wore down as the game yeah, went on, and that would have made a big half. difference. The, the, policy, the, the policy or perspective in the FO, as far as I understand it, is they don't use the charter flights during the season except for uh, when, they, that's when they make the playoffs. They have used it, I think, a couple times. We like to carry them over since uh, we don't make the playoffs. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, so they had like they they flew to Dallas, they flew to Portland. They took like I think this whole staff went to Portland. On the yeah, plane. and some um, journalists, not us, but yeah. other journalists. Um, ones that don't usually cover the team. Right. <laughs> um, they took it. I think they took it to for the Champions League from San Jose to Tigres. Yeah, to but Mare. that's, so that's that, not that, that doesn't count. Count it to the four limits. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think they necessarily paid for that. Yeah, and there's also once I think they took for a Voyager's Cup game, but I don't think they paid for that one either. Would be my guess. The, the trip to Orlando, it's the longest road trip, airport to airport. So not even including your weird way that you have to go. Right. Five thousand two hundred forty-eight miles from what's, Vancouver what, Airport to Orlando. What's that airport. in kilometers, Michael? I don't know, I don't work in kilometers. That was part of an 8,776-mile trip, with the, the trip to Chicago and then to yeah. Orlando. And that's the other thing I don't understand. People don't, like, they, didn't they just see that they, they just traveled to Chicago, came back to Vancouver? That doesn't enter into folks. I don't understand it. Like, well, well, that's the thing. It's like, there was a lot of abuse, aimed at DeSantis in particular, because of the performance. And I think a lot of it is carrying over from Robbo's years before. And it's people that were bitter about that. They've seen Davies sold and they're basically thinking they haven't spent this money. So Mark's getting it in the neck because it's like, well, you brought in this coach and they're not playing any better football. They're not bringing in players. We're not winning games. I find it a coincidence that the Canucks season's over and then all of a sudden all these people are complaining about the Whitecaps now. 
The Canucks season's over? Yeah, it's over. Really? Yeah. So they, it's like they have nothing else to do, kind of, so they decide to jump on maybe. somebody else to complain. Do they make the playoffs? No. Oh, okay. That's so why that, I said they're over. It's a Vancouver treat. Yeah. <laughs> there were some changes to the lineup for the Orlando game. There was five changes to try and freshen some bits up. It was the same 18, but there was five changes to it. Now, hindsight is always a great thing, but should there have been changes? Should he maybe have ridden that team... The, that got that win on Wednesday night? Or with all the travel, was it just too much? to? to sure, if to the game that? was in Seattle, they could have done that. They're not going to do that. Yeah. It's, it's impossible it, in a short week. That would have been asinine to go Wednesday night in Vancouver, Saturday in Orlando it, with that, with that travel. Because if they lost, they'd have been slated yeah. for that. And remember, yeah. one of the changes was a goalkeeper, and yeah. you'd think Crapo could have probably played. They probably just yeah. played McMath because it was his hometown maybe. Yeah. And they just and could, another of the changes was you brought your designated player in to start as well. Yeah. Which, when he doesn't play Montero and has him on the bench, folk are complaining online about, oh, we've got a well, designated player that's not playing. No, it's, it's see, it's one group going to complain for that, and it's a different group that complains for the other thing. So you can't please everybody. No. You just got to coach the team. Although the one thing, honestly, that I, I, I again listening to on the radio, the pregame show and stuff, I was kind of excited at the at the not just the change of personnel, which was obviously going to happen, but the the change in kind of f- formation. Yeah, which, I thought that was. I think that's partly what kept them in the game. Or yeah, I, th- I think this is the best they ever looked at a three-man back. Yeah. In all the years they've tried it. With they, whatever they officially coach. had it as five at the back. Well, yeah, whatever like, they want. Yeah. yeah, whatever you want to call it. But it, it was it yeah, five, very three, effective. Two. So it was just your three centre-backs. Yeah, I five, mean, five, I, I five three, two, or three. Cornelius five, looked probably the best that he's yes. looked yeah. as a white cap. And the th- um, well, we'll talk about that when we kind of look at defence and stuff in the next couple of parts. But that could be something to look at. Overall, though... It was a pretty horrible performance attacking-wise. Now, after the Chicago game, Marta Santa said that was their worst performance of the season. Yeah. And they got a draw from it, and they nearly got a win. Yeah. W- was this worse no. than that performance? I don't think so. I think that was the worst performance. Yeah, that's... Because they really a tough one, though. Because, yeah, they, while, while, uh, because the thing is with Chicago, they barely even got forward, especially in that first half. It was... The and the only goal they got was because of a mistake by Elstead. This one, they did have moments where they did get forward. They were able to break, and the thing is, when they broke, they were alternate people to pass to. Nobody was left up up top yeah. by themselves. Boy, and Bomb well, had the best chance. Yeah, the second minute, the one over the bar, lov- right? No, yeah, lovely little yeah, back, yes, yes, yeah, back, lovely heel. little back yeah. heel from Montero. Yeah, and he just runs in, but he's stretching and he's because he had to. He back. felt he's the goalkeeper back. like, oh, he 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 should have put forward. Like, oh, he needs to score that. It's like he's stretching and leaning back to make sure he gets it before yeah, the goalkeeper. It's going to fly over the bar. Yeah, I think that was that was the best chance of the game, right? And then in in Chicago, you had the other than the Osted gift, you had the. Well, the uh, RDS, RDS, yes, RDS off to, get, the to go up to nothing, yeah. yeah. Is there any other pluses you, you take from that Orlando game? I thought Zach McMath played well. I don't think we have an issue of goalkeeper, no matter no, who yeah. it is. Um, again, I thought the center backs played well. Like you said, Cornelius was better. It was much better. I didn't see any fault in Henry and Godoy at all. I'll Scott Sutter was a yeah. impressive at, at right wing back. I, I agree with all those. I'll kind of re- restate uh, what I said before. The formation change and it it feeling like it clicked, like it worked, I think that's super huge, not just for uh, going into a certain match or against a certain team or whatever, but hopefully to be able to do that within a game at some point where you're just like, hey, we got to hold this or we want to push certain players forward. So whatever, like, I think that's 
that's potentially huge for the season as a whole and for Mark DeSantos obviously ideally longer than longer than the season it could be a huge to have a team that can be that flexible like like I said we've, uh, we've said this multiple times it's, it's almost like a broken record at this point but if they have a proper number 10 it makes a huge difference yeah and they're able to like he can distribute up top it says if he's in the if he's in the lineup he can distribute from the back it, it, it makes a huge difference when you have a 10 proper 10 Last thing I want to say, I've been critical of Jordy Rain about some of the effort that he's put mm. in. Yeah. But something I noticed, like the good thing about watching it from the press box is you get to, to, to see a lot of the off-the-ball stuff. But I also noticed it a little bit during the game on Saturday. In the, I think it was in stoppage time on Wednesday, it was an early attack, and he was basically at the halfway line. The sprint he put in to get into the defence to make sure he was in position to defend... And he tracked back so well on, on Saturday as well. That's great to see. And if he can just keep this going and keep the consistency, that's what we need from him. And the thing is, I think it's not about his effort. I think he's just not comfortable being out there on the wing. I think he's just more comfortable being in the middle mm. and he he knows what he needs to do. Maybe it is a thing where they're just disconnected when they go into a position they're not supposed to be Maybe. in. I mean, it's had a good three games. We just need to build on that. Yeah, the other thing is that they've really been lacking like... Uh, not just a threat, but also the pace in the middle. They've really, they really. So this has been yeah. able to stretch the defense for them a little bit and give them more space, more options. And I think th- those two games where he both played centrally were, were huge. Well, we're going to break down some of the specifics about the attack in the midfield in in part two, and we'll we'll hear from Mark DeSantis, myself, and JJ Adams. Got a good little chat with him at training this week, so that will be coming up after this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Zillows there are Artists of the Month from Edinburgh, Scotland, punk and new wave band, still going today, Destination Venus. Love that. Now we're going to have some more Whitecaps chat in this part. We're going to hear from Mark DeSantis as well. And it's going to be something you haven't heard before because it wasn't videoed so it's not up on the, on the Whitecaps site. But something is clearly wrong right now with how the team is playing. And a, a big chunk of that is down to the play of the midfield, which we said last year was defensively. Last year? Every year. Every year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, last year we said the big problem with the defence was the midfield wasn't tracking oh, back. Right, right. This year they're doing that, but the problem with the midfield is they're not linking up yep. the attack. And th- there's just there's no penetration. There's, a, there's just no threat, it feels, in, in the final third. Our passing accuracy, again, was woeful yesterday, especially compared to the opposition. So these were some of the things that Mark DeSantis addressed at training last week. 
when he was talking to myself and JJ Adams after the main scrum was done, we just kept chatting to him for a bit and some interesting stuff in this. We're going to split it into two parts. Here's part one. What is missing in midfield, in your opinion? Uh, it's a good question. I think that um, one of the things that affects uh, us is this. In general, uh, our average is us 45% of possession and the opponent uh, 55. Let's say it's the average right now. Some games for 47, 53. We need to get that possession to 50. Uh, 50, you're talking about X more amount of passes. Uh, the midfield is responsible for that a lot also. Uh, so what's missing is in some moments to be more patient and cleaner um, because it's the only way that it's going to allow us to move up the field. If not, there's two ways you move up the field. One, Max has the ball, he plays long and you pray and you have a 50-50. It's the reality. The second one, you move the ball up by, by having it in possession. So it's not about playing with a number 10 or playing with two number 8. Because if your possession's not good coming out of the back, your number 10 is never going to touch the ball. Only if you play long to a 9 that is tall, of 6 foot 8, he lets the ball for the 10 and then you play from there. Uh, but the answer to your question is uh, our midfielders need to be cleaner and better on the ball. Uh, we need to connect more passes. We need to grow in possession. And that 45% needs somehow to get to a 50. Well, your possession, though, in your own half and in the middle of the field is actually pretty good. It's yeah. just when it comes to the final third, yeah. that's where it seems to be. Yeah, we are, we are one of the teams that's not afraid to play out of the back and build from there. And that's what we, I was so upset in Chicago from the side. Guy, play, play, play. And for somehow the wind, it was uncomfortable. The guys didn't feel comfortable to play. And what you guys don't see on TV is disappointed. The, the grass in Chicago, it is right now, very bumpy. And the guys were kind of doubting to play out of the back. But then we played so much long, it doesn't help. But your point is good because it's true that when we get in the last third, what's happening is one, we need better link up with the number nine and we need our wingers and we've been on them and they know about that to be less um, trying always 1v1 lose it, 1v1 lose it. There's moments that you have to continue playing until it opens and that's uh, something that we have to grow. And I, I, I'm evaluating very well uh, right now. Do we have wingers that are all the same type of profile? Do we need to have a guy that's more pragmatic on one side? Example, uh, a David Beckham style, when I say a white player, but is more pragmatic, more possession and put the cross in while the winger on the other side could be a winger of more 1v1. But at the moment, when it gets there, it's too much creativity, way too much, and it needs to be a little bit more pra pragmatic at times. One of the guys that's been an ever-present this season is John Arisi. Yeah. What What have you seen from his captain on the the pitch that's made you believe that that was the right decision to, to give him the armband? Uh, as captain, it was very difficult for us to find the right captain here, right from the beginning, because we felt there was never uh, in the roster one player that emerged uh, as a leader uh, uh, and when you have a full new squad we felt there's it was a t very tough 
a, a moment for me to say, yeah, this is the captain. And I even told the guys that for me, there would be no armband. We, we were, were, were old enough, we're experienced enough to go in there and take care of our stuff, right? But you need, by rule, to give a captain. And uh, his behavior, his commitment every day and training and all that uh, is, uh, is always an example. Now, that doesn't guarantee him being on the field and that doesn't guarantee that we're not always trying to, to get better and see what's good and what's bad in there. Captain Bands, please, guys, don't guarantee anything. I know maybe in hockey it's important to see, and then if we change she, mommy, it's a soap opera. It's a soap opera. In this moment here, no, it's a full. It's a lot of new players, and it's still feeling. I've uh, there's players here that I don't want to say names right now that that I could see that in two three years they could be captain here. But with John in particular, from what you've seen him from on a playing side, then yeah, it's kind of one of those positions where it's one of the, it's the unsexy positions. It's like a DM. Folk don't really notice him. What have you seen from him that's making this team tick? Like mm. he's involved a lot in all your little triangular movements yeah. going forward. Yeah, his team. So he's important in our build-up, and like we said, there's a lot of things happening in our half in possession that he's, uh, he's been involved and he's been important. But when we talk about defensive, num- defensive midfielder or number six, we're always talking about this. could give you uh, ten names of different number six. You have uh, Jorginho at Chelsea. You have Kante that could be a number six. You have uh, Matic. That's and already in those three names, three different profiles. And as a coach, you say, okay, where do you want to put more emphasis on on having the six as a build-up player having the six that just destroys to win or you get the ideal that I would love is the guy that does both right and in this moment we went from uh, you guys were here last year we went from Ali to John totally different number six mm-hmm. but me don't think I'm not evaluating okay but in MLS what works best so we've done a lot of changes in the roster and in the roster uh, a lot of things were very good and other things that we're still evaluating if they were good or not but if you think that I'm not always if this club better well you're all dreaming because oh, no. I yeah. I'm we, very we expect you, you I'm very I'm very very hungry uh, to make this grow and to make this club become better and it's it's sleepless nights and grinding and uh, uh, some things that you see that you don't want to be direct with me. Don't worry, I'm seeing them also. Mark DeSantis there. Nice little way to end it. If, if you're seeing things, don't worry, I'm seeing them also. He knows what's going well with this team. He knows what's going wrong with this team. He knows which players are not performing to what he's needing from them. And players like that are not going to be here long uh, under a coach like Mark DeSantis. He knows when they've been bad. <laughs> <laughs> he's making a list and he's checking it twice. And I think one of the players probably on that list is Felipe. Although he got the start. Yeah. yeah. He didn't do that great. No. Um, for me, I, I, I like him as a guy. 
his end of season presser was so emotional. It was just raw emotions from him. We've seen what he can do in MLS. Yeah. It's just not working in this In the setup. system, yeah. Whether we have to change the setup to get the best out of him or whether we need to move him on, I don't know what it is. He's got a trade value in this league he because does, of his reputation. He does have, as of right now, it might not, it might devalue it. But sometimes yeah. you just got to get rid of him to open up a spot. Well, that's, and, yeah, there's that as well. The, th- the thing is with Felipe, if, uh, I feel like he might be the previous, M- you know how they do MLS 2.0 or I don't know what what point we're in. I think in. we're 3.0. Are we 3.0? So he might be an MLS 2.0 starter <laughs> and not an MLS 3.0 starter. And that might he might be like a bench player and he, he's not good enough to start anymore. I believe we're simply into the MLS haves and have-nots. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, f- uh, Felipe, yeah, I know a lot of people have uh, expressed concerns over his play this year. I, I think he's one of the players that is kind of like a, like a Mark DeSantis player. Like, I think, he, I think he likes him. I think he'll be here for a while, despite the views you guys, for example, just expressed and his ability to maybe be moved uh, within the league. But, uh, yeah, you, the midfield in general, I agree with you, needs, needs more. And it's not, it's not rocket science. They need, well, no. they need a true creative presence in the midfield. Well, I mean, MDS, they are saying that playing long balls out the back doesn't help as it's taking the midfield out of it because yeah. a lot of it's flying over their heads. It's hurting the possession. But it's far more than that because even when the midfield does have the ball and their possession stats and the heat maps and all the games... It's all in the middle of the park, pretty yep. much. So they, they are having a lot of possession. It's like a barrier around. It's yeah. Like, it's like an ice wall around the, the I know. box. It's it's as if it's been electrified yeah. and the Whitecaps are not allowed in the opposition penalty box. If you look at the heat map from yesterday's Orlando game, it's terrifying because it's just all blue and it, this heat all around every other aspect of the pitch apart from the opposition penalty box. Maybe it's like they think it's like basketball where you can only go in for three seconds Possibly. at a time. Maybe that's what they think but it is. But the midfielders, they're just not moving the ball. They're not unleashing the front three. Yeah. What is our best... Like, if we're just looking at a three-man midfield, and we'll come to formations and stuff, but what is our best midfield three option well, right now? Well, can I ask you guys... Do you, okay, do you like... Because uh, Inbaum's been playing a lot of this wide wing stuff, right? Yeah. Sometimes, not, not the last two games. For me, he needs to be in the middle. Okay, yeah. yeah for me too, as well. He so needs for, to be... For, him I, and Arise, for sure. Those yeah. are the... So for me, it's Inbaum, Arise, and I think Tybert, only because Tybert is able to run constantly and is able to make up holes and gaps he, and everything. Is he offering enough no, he's offensively? Not. No, he's not. Thing. That's the thing. If it wasn't... Uh, like if if it would be if it was somebody else if we bring somebody else it would be reset in bomb and some whoever they bring in so yeah. and they have Tybert coming off the bench for defensively from like the, choosing from the entire roster my heart would be in in bomb Arise and David Norman that that was what I would want I'd want to see because I I don't know how much David Norman lets you go I think he would be in a Rese spot if he was yeah but then it would I think they would allow Rese to to be to be more of an eight than a six oh. and the thing is I think David Norman can provide more uh, offense than I think he's given credit for not not just oh no yeah he can not just on yeah. set plays but uh-huh. um, I actually spoke to to David on Wednesday night just to get a, yeah. a little update from him and he's going to be out at least three months it's not a season ending injury yeah. So three months, he doesn't want to rush back. And he obviously. got hurt in March. He got he got hurt in one of the games over so in England. Could, so he could be ready to go by the Canadian Championship. Oh, they've been saying end of summer. 
Yeah, Ju- July. They, they he, always give a little bit of a cushion, yeah. just he, in case. He doesn't want to rush himself back, and that's the sensible thing to yeah. do, because you don't want to make this worse and then be out for a lot longer. Because didn't one of you say that this was a similar Im- injury to like Omar Salgado from 2011? I didn't. No. I, I thought I heard that somewhere. It was a similar type foot injury. <laughs> Looking so, at formations then, to get things going with that, what do we need to do? We tried 5-3-2 yesterday, or 3-5-2, depends how you want to look at it. I thought that was horrible. There was no attack from it. 4-3-3, is that the way to go? Or do we have to try something different? Do we need to persevere at least with a two-striker formation? Yeah, I like the three. I, I like the 3-5-2 or the 5-3-2, however you want to shape it out. Um, Just because you get more pressure in the middle, too, yeah. from the two strikers. I like that. I think if you change some of the personnel to that, I think you could, could possibly get more. Plus, I think it encourages and allows... Adnan to, to uh, you know, Ali to, to yeah. gives him more freedom to go forward. Got a couple of tweets in. One from Ryan Burns, who makes a very good point when he says, why is MDS continually changing formations? That's what pre-season should have been about. There should be a couple he can switch between, depending on the tactical approach of an opponent, but the lack of consistency has to be a factor in the stunted attack. And if there's better consistency... Does the team play better? It's, are they, aren't they only using two right now? They're only using the four three three or the five three two. Yeah, so so there's only it, two it, they're using. And pr- he didn't have a lot of the team together until just before. Yeah. In principle, I, in principle, I, yeah, that's what I was going to say. In principle, I agree with Ryan, but we all know, we all knew at the time, and we know now that they were still literally squad building. So those five with five or six preseason games were different types of experiments of their own. Yeah, Max Richter tweeted in to say that the team is trying to gel there's a lot of rotation and each game is a different formation it's hard to know where your teammate is going to be the wing play has been very average yeah, and the strikers are really static we have a lot of decent but average players he, well this is obvious we talk about the weak win play you're going from Alfonso Davies on your wing and someone also like Christian Tichero whether you rate him as a defen- uh, defensive th- uh, presence or not um, to what there is now where you're playing central players wide, or you're playing strikers who are, or you're playing middle mid mid players players who like to play in the middle better out wide. So it's not super shocking that the wing play is not as like dynamic as it has been previously. And I think those the wingers so far haven't have been inc- probably the most inconsistent out of all the players. Yeah. Uh, th- their attack just needs a refreshing. They needed they need. Uh, uh, I think we 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 talked about it. We just need yeah. like somebody to, on the right side to drive like Adnan drives. And whether it's a right back or a right winger, they need us. They, they got too much of the same, which Jake, which Jake usually does. But you need more of Scott Sutter's defensive responsibility to to go with it. Yeah. It's like you used to always say, Michael. There's, uh, remember that one one year you you had us build a player of all the different yes. parts of the squad. That was last year. Yeah. It was the last? Yeah. So it's kind of like yeah, if you could come almost combine Jake and Scott together, that would be the ideal right back. Instead, you have two different profiles. If right we did backs. it this year, our composite player would have Joaquin Ardias's neck tattoo. <laughs> what what about his um uh level of interest? Probably not. It feels a little like it, Breck Shea. Uh, yeah. Breck. I mean it, was it the TV comment? Someone made a comment yesterday about he didn't seem to have a lot of interest. I, I a lot of people were going a lot on of people were saying that. Mm. But, but it felt like Breck Shea a little bit. Yeah. We'll come to him in the MLS thing. We've got six goals from eight games so far. Only Atlanta scored less, but they've also played two fewer games than us. Martin Santos there said we need to have better link up with the number nine, and he needs the wingers to do more as a team. 
not go one and one and lose the ball, yep. which we've seen too often with Whitecaps teams before. Kakuta Mane, Eric Kertaro, that was their thing. You'd run and then you lose the ball. Yeah, the problem, the, the, the issue there is their, their teammates are not catching up to them. They're, and they're not ha- they don't have the support all the time to yeah, do that. Yeah, some of the time they have to go one-on-one yeah. on one because they don't have the support. It, he said that he needed a pragmatic winger. He wants to, to see, and he's evaluating, if the wingers that he's got are too samey yeah. and if they need something different. He said a David Beckham-type winger, but more realistically, I, I was talking to Steve about this today, and you talked about... A guy that can uh, run the ball up the, uh, the pitch. Like, and then you don't need the right-backs to do as much... Uh, like. If you have, like, if you have, a, a, like, say, a Venuto and um, uh, uh, Adnan on one side, and then you had uh, Nuriski or Sutter and somebody that can run the ball up, like, the, I, the guy I really like is that that um, the right winger from uh, New England. Uh, I can't remember his name. I think he's Colombian or something. But I, whatever the case, Fagundes? No, not Fagundes. He runs. He runs the like the on the wing and, and drives the net. And they just need somebody to drive on the right side. He wears like number seventy. I can't remember. I could look him up. We'll look it up. You can look it up. I get some tweets. Salish C. Chris Corrigan says, "What's on his mind just now is how much MDS believes in the project. We can see things like pressing and defense improving, and the chemistry is coming along too. What we need in the summer." And number 10, to link up with the forwards. But he says MDS's belief is still keeping him interested. High on caps, Optimist Anonymous replied to that by saying, we just need to find a way to get draws and wins out of these games where we're only losing by one goal. Rick Hallen said, overall, I'm fine with our progress. I'm not expecting to make the playoffs this season. He likes a two-striker setup, and he'd like to see us try a 4-1-3-2 with Reina at the middle of the three attacking mids. Dental Damnation says MDS has gotten a lot of praise for showing his tactics to the media and to fans, but it seems that every team he's played so far has been high-pressing them, and that's just resulted in back-passing from us to the goalkeeper and punting the ball up, losing possession. He said that must be driving him mad, and as you heard there, it, it is. If we look at bringing in another striker, though, what does that mean for Montero, and what does that mean for Ardiez? Well, the thing is, uh, MDS has already called Ardiez lazy on the air, on, on the record. Uh, so if he if he does consider him lazy, then he might be the one to go. If you feel like you can turn him around, because he would have a high value if he can do what he was promised to do, like even not not just with the Whitecaps, but wait like a couple of years ago because he was rated highly on a feature watch. Uh, but if the, if he's then maybe Montero has some trade value and they can move him on somewhere in the MLS. Yeah, RDS feels like we said already kind of compared him to Breck Shea. He feels like a player with a lot of talent but lacking in, let's use the term focus, uh, or commitment maybe. Because um, you, we've seen some of his skill. We've seen some of what he can bring. We've seen the, the profile, to use Marcus Sanchez's word, the profile player that he is, that, and he is someone who you think should be able to contribute in MLS, at the MLS level, and yet he's, he's, he leaves a lot to be desired when it comes to not being on the ball for sure. Uh, and so I think if Renel has a feel of one and done, like one year loan or less than one year loan, and he's yeah. done. I, I think Montero's got some trade value as well within MLS if we did want to bring in a, a DP, but it's a bit tough on a guy bringing him in and moving on. But we've seen it before with Latou. came He wasn't a DP, but he came from Philly and then moved halfway through the season. Also a, a f- former flounder. Hmm. 
And then and the thing is, it'll be cheaper for them to do whatever they want in the summer because it's only half the year left. So if they if they want to yeah. make a guy into ten players, it's gonna cost half of what I, they normally. I I don't I I I think it would be easy. Oh, I'm guessing it would be easier for them to shorten a loan yes. than to move. Than it to would move, be than to move the Colombian. Yep, probably. It's been a tough rebuild for Martin DeSantis. It's fair to say, perhaps tougher than he expected it to be, and that's something he addresses in the second part of our, our chat with him from training last week, along with the pressure that he might be under to turn things around. You mentioned yesterday there were some lessons putting an expansion team together yeah. and building an expansion team. What specifically did you bring here as you were trying to build this squad, which is basically an expansion team? Yeah, uh, first, you know, there's people, and it's my fault because I said it one day. I said it's kind of an expense. It's my fault. We said I, it too. We said it too. I, I, I take the blame. But then when I went to think about, like, when I followed the buildup of Cincinnati, example, I say, and even things I'm hearing in Nashville, say there's no way it's expansion team. Because here you have already a, an history. You have some of the guys that stay you're kind of trying to regress season, uh, bringing a new model. You don't have expansion draft. You don't have uh, like a cap money that allows you. To, so it's not even the same. It's wrong to say it's an expansion team. And this is my, my, wrong, my, my bad because it's, it's easier. That's one of the things I learned in LAFC. It's easier to build an expansion team than to rebuild the team. That's how I would put it. Uh, And uh, what I learned at LAFC, the expansion draft was great, right? Benny Phil Arbor, Walker Zimmerman, Latif Blessing. And they're there, and it's like a a a vitrine, how do you say it? Uh, Like a... A a buffet? Yeah, like a buffet, like you see it in the glass, like in a store. Yeah, 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 display when... Yeah, and you say... Okay, I'm, I pick four, I want this guy, this guy. <laughs> Us, it wasn't the case. In, in the rebuild, what happens for you guys to be aware is very difficult to get players in the league. Mm. Like, I was interested in, in some uh, that costed a lot of money in the league today that other teams are, were interested. So, uh, you're almost, when you rebuild, it's easier to go outside than to go, to go in the league. Uh, and, um, and that was one of the challenges. This is what I learned from being here versus LAFC. And the biggest thing I learned at, at LAFC is I was one full season and it does everything right. So now or, or when we talk in the office and when we talk about how close can we get to that, there's things we cannot do, but there's things we could get close. They, they, and, and to be fair with them, uh, they did. They did everything right. Where they build their stadium, um, the the choice of their DP, because of the the, the environment they're they're in. It's very very Mexican LA. That's that's a reality, right? And to have Carlos Vela and the choice of that, the staff, the training facility, and uh, how they they work together. I they they did everything right. So. They pushed the. If I was Nashville, I would have go spend two weeks at LAFC. Hey, tell me how you did it, right? So, uh, yeah, and it was more LA. It was more learning on and being closer to and training to players that are um, different. Right. You know, uh, 
you you had problems of players go to the national team of Mexico and Laurent Simon with Belgium and and uh, guys in the World Cup, you know. So to deal with all of that, it was it was very special to to be with Bob and we're challenging each other every day in training and preparation was great. So I don't have uh, to answer your question. I don't have one thing like I could say this from uh, LA that I learned and know there's so many things that 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 helped me uh, by being there is this the biggest pressure you've had in your managerial career yes yeah but it depends on what uh, inside the club no uh, external external pressure I think I control that very well uh, but uh, but I want to win so I control what I could control and I work very hard every every day but I'm not I don't think about things like uh, uh, if we don't win what's gonna happen to me absolutely not I'm very and I'm um, I'm comfortable me with my, and my family it's not it's the the toughest moment I've been but if you want to preach then and walk the talk you need to go through moments like that in 10 years I've won a lot and now it's been a moment where it's more difficult. Now it, it teaches me also in front of the players, in front of the staff, in my day-to-day, what type of person are you in moments like that? Because it's easy to be a winner and I've lived it and be at the top and everything seems right. But when I left a club like LAFC and I had the opportunity to to go to go to other places and I had the opportunity to stay in LA and wait for the right job that's all uh, BS in my opinion when you have an opportunity you take it this one was a difficult one so I'm not here Um, actually my family is moving in August so I'm not going nowhere for now The iconic Game of Thrones theme tune. Tonight's episode was fantastic. A lot of humour before what you feel is going to be a very dark and sad episode three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feel we're going to lose a lot of our favourites. Possibly three and four. Well, it is. Yeah, I I would think three and four is probably going to be the big fight. Because both of them are about an hour and 20 minutes, each of them. So it's it's going to be a lot of fights. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be an emotional journey. Yes. Just before the music there, we heard from the man that's on the Whitecaps Iron Throne just now, Mark DeSantos, and as he said at the end there, he isn't going anywhere, despite what some fans online may have been calling for this week. I think there could be a few other MLS head coaches, though, that could be have their head on the chopping block. block. We'll come to that in part four. But... Mark DeSantis there, he, he kind of walked back the expansion team comments that he'd made early in the season. He said it was his bad. And I know people have said to me that they were quite surprised, almost stunned that he, he made that comparison and then players had kind of jumped on it as well. Do you think he's had heat from some within from maybe saying that? I can't remember if I told you, I can't remember if I told you or not, but I think uh, Mr. Whitecaps got in touch over, over that because I think at some point I had maybe suggested that that was a talking point and he messaged me to say that's not one of their 
comms talking points for players or whatever. So yeah, I don't know if it came. Maybe maybe they heard it from him or maybe Rusty's oh. the first guy I heard. Yeah, know. Rusty used and it. So I, and I Mark, don't know. Actually, that might be the only two. Yeah, but I know we used it more. The, the yeah, we, we used it first anybody before used anybody it, so, used yeah. it. It's I, not a, it's not a good term. No. It, 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 I, uh, you know what is meant by it f- from their perspective, but it's not. Yes, it's to not. the general fan, it doesn't. No, but forget the gen- to both the general fan and the people who've been here for eight, nine years, it's a terrible. It, mm. it, it, it creates it's a negative picture that you. Why would you create a negative picture? Very true. I, like I, even the term rebuild, which I don't love, I don't like, is better than that. Yeah. Well, an More interesting positive. comment because you, you at least you have the foundation. You just be yeah. building it from there. Yeah. yeah. Interesting comment from Mark there was that it's easier to build an expansion team than to rebuild a team. And he's, he's right because you've still got some pieces here that you're then having to kind of work everything around. But the problem which we have here, which some other teams don't, is we don't have or we didn't have a big DP that you could then rebuild the squad around. With an expansion team... He talked about they knew they wanted to go for a Mexican with a Mexican market they had in LA. And then they had Carlos Vela, so they're then building the team around him. When Mark's rebuilding the team here this off-season, he doesn't even have a star player that he's rebuilding around. Kendall, Kai Kamara were possibly your two star players. They were both moved on. So not only is he rebuilding a team, he's rebuilding a team around just general bench players, really. Uh, for for the most part, and a couple of starters, so that's been that's been pretty tough. Yeah, that that's a very fair perspective, Michael. Like, and and it's if MDS's credit, he'll admit that. Like, yeah, he knew that coming in. He knew what it, what he was going to be able to do and not be able to do. And yeah, uh, Inbom Huang is a been a you know the player of the season, I'd say so far, and an yeah. exciting player. But he, I don't I don't know if at his stage in his career and development that he is enough to be the centerpiece to everything. Oh no, and he shouldn't be because that's too much pressure to put on a young lad. A young lad that's playing outside of his own country for the first time, learning a new language, coming to a new league and surroundings. You can't put that pressure on him. But the thing is about him is that he's probably uh, adapted the best out of almost all the yeah. players even over his the new few years. Cooper. Yeah. Yeah. Over the all the years that they brought in players like brand new and stuff like that, he's adapted pretty well, pretty quick. That's fair. Yeah, I mean they also brought in Ali Adnan, but that's alone, and that might only yeah, and be he's a, experienced. Yeah. I mean, he's he's played all over the world. But but th- yeah, like you said before, some people are saying where is the where is the mo- the the transfer money from from Alfonso yeah. being spent on the current squad to. Make people excited or engaged in what's going to happen well, this year. At least we know it's not getting spent on charter flights. Mm-hmm. That's I guess that's, I mean, that's for the summer to see what where they. Yes. I think the summer's the big time where they see if they're going to spend any I mean, money. We're expecting a big splash or two, and if we don't get it, then you definitely have. I will yeah. be. I'll be first in line asking questions. No, and about he, that. He, that's the thing is you can't say they haven't spent any money because they spent money on Inbom, they spent money on uh, Kamiri, they spent money on Venudo. Venudo. Even a recent thing. Mm. I'm not sure. I mean, DeSantis—he—he he is under pressure. The win against LAFC will have lifted a little bit of that. How much? Like, just looking at the general fan base—not the people that's on Twitter, not the folk in the support section—but your general fan who maybe doesn't even have season tickets, and you're relying on them to come and buy tickets every game or fan packs. 
how much longer do they put up with those results before we start seeing a midweek feel for weekend matches where there's pockets of empty seats? I know there's going to be a grimace on your face, Michael, when I say this because you want to talk about this later. But I think the I think part of what's happening right now is this is this off field stuff is tainting people's perspective of of the of the club. I don't think it's helping because everything that they, p- they post on social media, like whoever's in charge of the Whitecaps Twitter account, I feel for them. Yeah, because so do no I matter, actually. No matter what they post, positive thing, like today they posted Happy Easter and someone shared me all the replies to Happy Easter, which is like, how can it be happy? I'm depressed after yesterday and just all this stuff about why don't you spend some money and what's happening with the abuse scandal and it's like, that's just from a Happy Easter thing. It's, yeah. They're in a difficult situation. Stop tweeting and find a number 10. Yeah. A lot of it's... Yeah. That was basically... Oh, was there somebody said that? Someone said something similar to that, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think the, the on-field stuff is not good, but this off, off-field stuff is not... is Let's just call it not good. Uh, it's not in a good place. Uh, there's no no seeming con- yeah. conclusion. Of it. So that... I think that is... Because, uh, yeah, I, I don't know about you, you guys. Uh, I mean, I know I've seen you tweet a little bit, Steve, but... multiple people in my life who both are big followers of things and people who know nothing have been like, hey, what's going on with this thing? I heard this thing. I saw this thing. Yeah, I've had folk at work ask me and they don't know anything about football and they're saying, what's going on with this? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I know that's derailing your question a little bit. Well, let's get back onto the on-pitch stuff. Whitecaps scoring woes, which is something we've talked about a lot over the years. Put them aside. The defence is at least looking far more solid than it was last season. So that's something to build on, at least. Keeping a clean sheet, at least, as I said, it gives us a chance to get a point from a game. If you're not letting any goals in, you've got at least a point. You just need one goal, you've got all three. Saw that against LAFC. We've got two clean sheets in our first eight games. Our 11 goals against, it's kind of smack bang in the middle of all the MLS teams. It's not great, it's not bad. But the defence does feel like it's got chemistry. And a lot of that was worked on from the start in pre-season. Up to the Orlando game, Max Repos was an ever-present. He's our clear number one for now. And I got a chance to catch up with him at training this week. It was before the LA game. And I, I was... It's not... I didn't want to... We talked about the start of the season about his journey to MLS. I wanted to delve a little bit deeper about what it was like for him as a kid growing up in Montreal, what got him involved in football, and, and some things like that. So let's listen now. To Max Cripple. Keeper, you just made a decent save. So why do you feel the need to rant and rave? Screaming at defenders makes you look dead stupid, especially when they haven't done much wrong. Please cease the trait. So, Max, coming from Quebec, Montreal, folk here know it probably more as a hockey city. Mm-hmm. What was it like? Have you always been a soccer fan? Was that a soccer family that you grew up in? Yeah, not even. I think uh, my older brother was playing uh, just uh, like as a kid uh, in a, in a, in the league when we started Timbits League, you know. So uh, my older brother was three older, three years older than me. Uh, he was eleven. I was eight. So I came uh, to see one of his game, and since that day, uh, I love uh, fell in love with the game. And at twelve, I was a defender, and at twelve, I uh, went in goal for for one time, and never came back on the on the pitch after that. What, what was it like 
like the development system in, in Montreal and coming through that and like we've seen it here we know what it's like at the Whitecaps but what, what was it like at the Impact? Oh the Impact was uh, was great you know they have a great uh, great academy uh, to be fair with you all the USSDA uh, result under 16-18s the last three years all on top of that um, and after that uh, we have a lot of academy guys uh, that um, that went pretty much all over the world through MLS and a little bit in Europe and Scandinavia, uh, lots in the USL as well. But uh, Montreal was good to, to to actually build the character of the young players because it wasn't easy as a local to, to be there. Sometimes it's a market where there's a ton of pressure because you're local. So it built out a lot of character, but the development... Uh, squad and their director down there Philippe Relafoy is a top man uh, French man and he knows uh, he really knows his thing when you're playing like USSDA and you're having to fly places and travel how much does that get you ready for like a pro career oh definitely it gets you uh, in the um, it gets you in the right responsibilities that you have to take care of yourself uh, as a young age and you know when you have to be on the bus and not traveling by by a plane because of the budgets when you're younger it becomes a reality of the amount of hours that you travel and then you have to play and you come back right right after the game so you arrive uh, during the night because the next day you have school or so so it gets you the discipline and uh, the, the value of, of working hard and not uh, basically be a normal child if I can say uh, that to have friends and go out sometimes yeah. so it's it's, uh, it's the matter of, of the responsibilities that the kids have on their shoulders as well when you were coming through the youth system did you always believe you could make it in the pro game is that all you ever wanted to do as a kid uh, I think Below the age of uh, 15, I wasn't really, uh, um, I wasn't really recognizing the fact that I couldn't do a career about football. Uh, when I came into the Academy of Montreal today, I have a, I have a chance, I have a chance to, to make it uh, with my talent. I didn't realize that I had the, I had the characteristics that I couldn't make it. So uh, I worked hard, put my hand down every day, uh, work uh, really hard on the field and outside of it. And uh, I think at the age of 15, I had that little spark in my mind. And at 16, I was, I'm, I'm doing it. And at 18, I signed. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, coming right up to date, then you've played every every minute of every game so far to start the season. It feels from watching you that you've really grown into the starters role because mm-hmm. we, we knew there was going to be a battle initially, but you've be, just you seem to have become more confident every match and you're making big saves. And do, do you feel that yourself? Yeah, I feel really more comfortable. The more you play, the more you're, you're comfortable and uh, natural with, with your players in front of you because uh, we, we tell it. Uh, it's been, it's been let's say, two months that the whole team, uh, two months and a half, three months, the whole team is together. So it's brand new guys. Uh, you don't know them personally. You don't know them on the field. So it's a process. We told about that. But uh, on a personal note, yes, I feel more and more comfortable when I play. And uh, I know as well what's what's the malice level as well uh, you know the first games you're a little bit nervous hyped yeah. too hyped you know you create an environment in your head that you're a little bit too much energetic and you don't focus only on yourself but on everything else so as the year goes on you just um, focus on yourself what to do uh, and by doing that you help the team 
game at the, the weekend against Chicago, you've got your opposing goalkeeper David Eistead mm. making a, a mistake that leads to the goal. Sean Johnson, we saw him make a mistake. When you're a goalkeeper, everything's highlighted. Yeah. D- does that just heap added pressure on you? Uh, yeah, yeah, but it's it's the natural position, it's the natural that? role. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, it's. Uh, I always say it's a blade, uh, a blade with two, uh, with two sides of it—the good one and the bad one. Where uh, you do amazing savior on the highlights, or you don't even get a recognition, or uh, when you miss up, though you're everywhere in the news. So, yeah. um, but it's part of the role. I mean, uh, same thing uh, with with a striker, where if he makes an open net, he's gonna get it. But he can miss 20 chances, no one will really pound on him. But if we was one ball in 20 balls. Uh, that one ball will be on the news for sure. So uh, it's part of the game. Yeah. I think uh, we, we we choose that uh, that role in the team definitely. Folk always talk about the goalkeepers' union, but when you see someone like David make that mistake, do you feel for him a little bit? Uh, yeah, I think every every MLS uh, or even goalie in the world, we've seen it uh, in the Prem. See Foster uh, kicked and uh, Aubameyang countering it and putting in those goals. Yeah. This is the, we're talking about the Prem here, you know. So it's happening everywhere. Uh, of course, you want to eliminate uh, eliminate those mistakes because you know you can do better. Uh, yes, you feel a little bit for him because we worked hard and it doesn't reflect your your work uh, overall. But it's a reality. You cannot do a mistake. That's yeah. it. The other thing about... Two, two last things. The, yeah. the other thing about being a goalkeeper, you get to see an unusual view of everything. You see mm-hmm. everything playing out. From what you're seeing from there, where, where do you think it's just going wrong this year? Or do you, do you see that it's just so close and it's just... There's a couple of little things here and there lacking. Yeah, there's a little details. Uh, it's details as a group. It's not. Uh, it's not individual. I think it's about growing together, becoming a team. We were individuals. We were slowly beginning to be to be a team, and we suffered together in Chicago. Yes, there was that call again. Uh, that that PK, that VAR. But it's part of the game. Uh, honestly, we have to deal with it. It becomes natural now that the ref are waiting for for a moment like this to go to VAR because they know they have that. Uh, that uh, tool for them so uh, now we're becoming a team through tough moments it's the ones that we we actually see what we can grow like enjoy it and what we do good and what we do bad and we're on the good path I think last thing kind of a little bit of a fun thing but there's been so many penalties go against the team. Are, are, mm-hmm. you, are you practicing penalties more just because uh, of this? We talked about that this studying? morning. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, on every game uh, all around the world, every goalkeeper knows that uh, we scout the strikers. Strikers know that goalkeepers scout them. Yeah. So I think, yes, there's a stati- statistic uh, uh, side of it, but there's that instinct feeling as well when you're you're standing on your line and uh, your body just go. You don't even think about it. That's the instinct. But I have to be honest with you, it's uh, it's frustrating when you have six games for for calls against yeah. you. So uh, now it's it's moving on. Uh, the, the, the beautiful thing about uh, the season is that we have one tomorrow and quick turnaround. We switch it off and we we go on in a good run. That's great. Thank you so much for your time and good luck for the rest. Of the Thank you. I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Max. Max Cropot there. Really interesting hearing what it's like growing up and playing football in another part of Canada because we all know what it's like playing here 
in Vancouver and with the Whitecaps and, and everything like that. So good to hear his insight there into all of that. Now, McMath played yesterday. We talked about that. I thought he did well. So we'll, we'll see what happens going forward. But I think Crapo is the guy that you're expecting that's going to be starting. Yeah, I think so too. I think uh, this was just a kind yeah. of give him a rest because of the long trip. And it worked too because I thought McMath had a good Yeah. Game. Now, the defence has been pretty set. Aside from some changes at, at right back, you, you've had Crapo, you've had Henry, Godoy and Adnan since he's come in. Those are the, the names that's kind of feeling like ever-presence. Um. We saw with LA, a lot of the success has come from a back four and keeper being unchanged in their first seven games. And then today with their game against Seattle, they made the changes against us and, and they lost. Stephen Betashur missed one of those matches, but the the rest of the, the back four and the goalkeeper were all okay. Do we need to do the same? Do we need to keep a defence that is a consistent or... Is the way to going to get this midfield creativity to switch to this three at the back? The th- the three at the back doesn't. I don't think it affects that much because all you're doing is bring Cornelius in and you're taking out a winger essentially because you still have a right I know wing back. That's been quite ineffective, if we're being honest. So. No, but it, but against Orlando, I thought it was effective in that circumstance because they were. No, but I mean, like if, we, if we're dropping a winger. Oh, gotcha, but, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Right, our wingers haven't been very effective, but so I, we need to try something. I prefer the four at the back personally because uh, because of ho- the horror shows it's been in the past. But yeah. maybe I changed my mind a little bit with Orlando. Yeah, I'm going to give you kind of a both end. Like I, like I said earlier, Michael, I, I think having a consistent back back line is really important in football. Uh, I think you see that when you look at great teams. They're not teams that are chopping and changing their defense every week. Uh, but I do like this flexibility that playing uh, playing three five two or five three two brings them. And really, you're not ch- uh, the, the only alteration you're ideally making in that scenario is bringing in a center back and you're to the two that are usually there, and your fullbacks ideally are playing that wing-back role in the in the game. Yeah. Well, our other fullback is Ali Adnan, and I've got a tweet from Sean Kawakami who said, what do you do with Ali Adnan? Do you run him out in every match until his loan expires? I think you have to. Or do you give Levi some game time so he's ready to come in in July once he goes, or before they sign another left-back? But Jim McClellan says, will the Whitecaps open the wallet and sign him? That is, uh, I was thought we were talking about this before. If the, it, I wouldn't mind if they signed him and made him a designated player or a TAM player, high TAM player, and they put him on left wing and still bring in a different left back. That could be because he, he, like, he's great. Who's, a, up and down who's that player him. on um, uh, Bayern Munich? Uh, David uh, David Alaba. Alaba. He, with Austria, he plays uh, a forward or a winger or something we, like we that. He usually plays central central in the midfield. Yeah, and sometimes, then for hold, Bayern, sometimes more holding, sometimes for right Bayern Munich, he plays left back. So why couldn't this be the opposite? Where for the the, the club team, he plays up top, and for the national, yeah, exactly. Uh, but I think they should keep. I I don't mind keeping him. I also, if they want to bring Levi's in, let. Uh, Adnan play up top at the, as a left winger and put Levi yeah. at the right I, left I, I or switch it vice versa. Might be worth having a look at Levi's in one of these games on the left wing because he did start out playing uh, the left wing original in the middle, position. So yeah. He's got a lot of that out of him now because he's got the defensive thing. But I mean, we can see on right back, and we keep talking about this. We don't have a definitive answer. Will it be Nurbinski? Will it be Sutter? Nurbinski looked good when he came in against LAFC, but Sutter looked good against Chicago and Orlando. Who gets a nod for you right now as the starter in the majority of these matches coming up? 
I think you have to go with Jake only because you don't want to sit him too much or else he might lose confidence. Sutter is a veteran who can sit on the bench if he need be. I th- and that's the only reason I would pick one or the I, other. I don't disagree with Steve, but I also think it could be exactly what you just said, Michael. It could be Jake at home and Scott on the road. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it might depend a lot on the opponent and what you're needing this right back to do, like in a five at the back, turning up and down, but showing defensively. And right back, it's kind of been an issue ever really since Stephen Batesher left. We've never had somebody that's made it their own. Jake's probably been the closest to that. And I got a chance to catch up with, with Stephen Batesher after the, the LA game on Wednesday night. We just had a good chat about a few things. Here's what he had to say. One of the things I wanted to ask you, like, every club you go to, when you leave, the next year the club doesn't make the playoffs. Yeah. Is that something that you're aware of? Is that something that's talked many about? Pe- many, many fans have made it um, that I realise it. They've, uh, they've brought it up, yes, multiple times. When, when you're with, with Toronto, you're, you've landed in a great place, but, I mean, would you like to have stayed there? Are you, well, I'll, I'll, I'll rewind that for you as well, for the fans. Uh, when I was in San Jose, yeah. that's my hometown. Yes, so I'm going to ask you, do you think I wanted to leave? Okay. No. When I was in Vancouver, it's a city that we absolutely love. Everyone that comes yeah. here loves it. There's nothing not to love about it. Do you think I wanted to leave? No. So when I was in Toronto, we had the best team in MLS history. I'm not just saying that's oh, a fact. Oh, yeah. We won uh-huh. the treble. We set the highest points in a season. We won everything. It's the best team in MLS history. Do you think I wanted to leave? No. Okay, so that's three teams. <laughs> yeah. But you've landed in such a good city. And it's like, speaking to Mark DeSantis in, in the build-up to this game, he said everything that the club does is an example to the rest of MLS. He said if he was Nashville, he would be going to follow you guys for a couple of weeks. Is, is that how it feels? You've been at so many clubs. Does it feel that LAFC is just something a bit special? Uh, it does. And every team that I went to from the previous team, I looked at it as an upgrade. It wasn't... I didn't get traded because I was um, a bad person or not a good player or anything. The teams actually wanted to keep me. All of them. All three of those teams wanted to keep me. I know Robo did. Yeah. yeah. Robo still talks to me to this day. My coaches from the past still talk to me from this day. The GMs from all the teams still talk to me to this day. They all love me. I loved every team I was with. Unfortunately, it's always this. I know. And for whatever reason... I mean, you're a defender in this league. You, you don't say, have a high value. Oh, outside backs. So you don't yeah. pay them much. But do you, do you value winning? So unfortunately, I've been hard done three places. I'm hoping this won't be the fourth because I'm out of contract again. So, oh, at the end of the season? Yeah, so I'm hoping the... Are you a free agent then? Yeah, now, or? yeah. Right. So I was technically an unrestricted free agent when I left San Jose and Vancouver. Um, but I chose to go to Vancouver. I chose to go to Toronto. And then I was a free agent, an unrestricted free agent, and I chose to go to L.A. So all the teams I went to, I chose to go to. I did my homework. I said I can help that team if I go there and we can be special. When I was here in 15... It was the best was team in Vancouver. Team. Yeah. We we honestly thought we were going to win it that year. We were almost Sports Shield winners. We thought we were going to win yeah. it all that year. Honestly, I'm not just saying that. No, I mean, like we did as well. Yeah. That Portland game was so frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Because if you Kukuda know doesn't that get that hurt. was there. If yeah. doesn't get hurt, you know it was there for the winning. winning. Yeah, it was there for the winning, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things. Obviously, they know I like like it down a lot, but uh, it's, it's a matter of money. And it's, you know, I've been in the league long enough where I, I've been saying I'm one of the top three right backs in the league 
Uh, it's just a matter of do they believe it or do they think they can replace me? They've tried replacing me with multiple outside backs. They've tried multi- yeah. replacing me with cheaper outside backs. They've tried with a million dollar outside back. Well, since you've left, we've had no one here that's really risen to that level. Mm-hmm. This team, at the start of the season, the defence has been so solid. Taking tonight out of it because it was a makeshift backline. But the ability to keep that backline together, the first seven games, like part, you missed one, but then the rest it was all, all seven. What has that meant to, to this team, getting that continuity, getting that chemistry going with this defence? I think it's important. Um, I think it's one of those things where you have the luxury. Obviously, the forwards are scoring, the midfields are scoring, and you're you're off to a good start. But sometimes you can get a little careless when you're scoring so many goals. But I don't think that's been the case at all. I think you know we've been so focused on uh, getting clean sheets and not giving up chances and not giving up goals that um, we take pride in that. And so when we have you know for the most part. Jordan, Eddie, Walker, and myself back there, and we we're there. The continuity, like you said, uh, we take pride. Like, all right, this is this is our back line. Like, this is when people say goals against average, this is us. So we take pride in that. So we've been fortunate so far that you know we've all been healthy. Obviously, tonight was a little bit of a rotation with the lineup, um, but it's it's been a good start, and we hope to keep it going. Yeah. Just quickly looking at your, your career, you won an MLS Cup, you've been at a, a World Cup. Wait, what, what ranks more important for you? Like, what, what gave you the biggest pleasure? Was it lifting the, the MLS Cup with Toronto, being at that World Cup? Um, two different things. It was, it was a special moment when I got called onto the final 23-man roster for the World Cup. It really was, because it's something when you're a kid. Growing up, I first started watching soccer at the international level. I didn't necessarily watch it with the club teams. It wasn't as big yeah, back then. Yeah, a lot of folk here has been the same. Yeah. yeah. So, like, uh, growing up, Brazil was always my favorite team. You know, Brazilian Ronaldo, watching, you know, Rivaldo, Cafu. Like, that was my team I loved to watch. Um, and so getting called up and being on that 23-man roster, it was a special feeling. But when I didn't actually get to play, it was very hurtful. Like, uh that was a lot of pain that I felt, not being able to go in. Um, so MLS Cup, I feel like I worked so hard for throughout my career and have been so close on numerous occasions. When finally the MLS Cup was reached for myself, uh, that was the greatest feeling for sure in my career. Yeah. How did you get into podcasting with, with Jordan? Just like a curiosity. Yeah, yeah, we were doing a little bit of podcasting. Uh, I had beta time last year, which was a pretty big hit. A lot of fans in LA just call me beta time now, which Jordan, which Jordan dubbed when we were here in Vancouver together. Uh, so we started beta time. It was going well last year, and we, I've kind of transitioned to, with Jordan with the podcast just because we want to do longer uh, segments and interviews. So the, po- the beta time was like five minutes, real quick video. The podcast, we can talk for 30, 40 minutes and really go into detail. So... Um, who knows? It might be a career after soccer. Um, you know, obviously, uh, both of us are, are loving playing right now, but it's just, it's fun on the side. That's great. Yeah. Good luck. Thank, Thank you for you. your time today. Appreciate Good luck it. the rest of the season. Thank you. Cheers Good to see you. Take care. Thanks. Beta there. I enjoyed catching up with him, and you might. It was a great interview. I loved it. You might listen to that and think he always a bit arrogant talking about how what he's worth in this league and how he is as a player. And I would admit, 
I probably didn't value Beta as much when he was here as what I actually think of him now that he's gone. But that's because, like I said, that that was the old MLS where fullbacks weren't valued. Yeah. And, and I remember, remember we did talk to uh, uh, Robbo about that. Yeah. And he said that, like, if I pay him that much, Whereas I can't pay anybody else anything, so yeah. I have to let him go. Now, obviously, a rich team like TFC is going to be able to afford him because they they can stretch out money somewhere else and, and bring in somebody cheaper maybe somewhere else and pay him under the table. I don't know what well, to do there. I mean, that's the thing. We're always talking that it's hard to justify spending money in MLS in defenders. So, I mean, why does this league not value defenders? We, we saw it with teams trying to sign... Like Toronto tried to sign centre back DP, it it was vetoed. We we barely got Demerit through as a DP. Yeah. No 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 no. Demerit was not a DP, and the league would not allow him to be a DP. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Like Kendall Waston was a, a DP in basically name only. Really, it's just the way that he could have had any DP with that squad. But as Beta said, if you value winning, you should value players like him and value defenders. I don't know that we're quite at that level yet. I don't think DP defenders are sexy enough to sell this league in the headquarters because they want the guys that are the guys that stand out. Yeah, but again, the thing about Beta, though, is that he is so he's so much more than a defender, right? Yeah, he is. I mean, he's got this personality. He's got this podcast now with Jordan. So you feel that they're going to go into media afterwards and continue to help grow the league. But on the pitch, he is an offensive threat, right? Oh, yeah. Well, you saw the assist he got here. It was good catching up with him. Wish him well at LAFC. He's him and Harvey having a second lease of life there. And we'll be talking about the weekend in MLS West after this. Hi, I'm Carl Valentine. You're listening to the AFTN podcast. undertones there Jimmy Jimmy this was another band that I just learned today that I thought folk in Canada would know but apparently they didn't really seem to have any hits in Canada they're Irish legends big favourite of the late great DJ John Peel that was their third single released 40 years ago yesterday on April 20th 1979 in the UK of course the B-side to that was Mars Bars, which we use as our theme for 30 Seconds to Mars. Single got to number 16 in the UK charts from their debut album, The Undertones. Lead singer Fergal Sharkey left in 83 and the band split up and then reformed in 2009. There's a couple of football connections. 
When they reformed, they played a gig before Celtic played Arsenal in the Champions League in 2009, and the 7-inch single for their song My Perfect Cousin mentions Subutio and has a great Subutio cover as well, so you should check that out. But the reason we are playing that, of course, is to continue our 40th anniversary celebrations of the 1979 NASL Soccer Bowl win. I wonder if we'll get sick of hearing this song by the time September comes around. We'll find out. In, in popular culture 40 years ago today, Manhattan was still a, a big film in the box office. Woody Allen. Tales of the Unexpected was a big show in the UK. Here, it was. there's a lot of shows came out. It's really hard to find what shows were released at what time. I've got lots of shows that came out in 1979, yeah. and I'm... If, the I thing find is, it hard to find out what was thing, on what specific The thing is, in, 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 I, don't know, I, can't, I don't know what it was like in 79, but ever since I can remember, most shows either start in September mm. and they go for a full year until May. There's very few shows that start at different parts of the year. You'll get like a miniseries, but I don't think you'll get very many shows. Well, that's changed now. Now, now especially with streaming. 79. But back in 79, you had some big things like Dukes of Hazard was on yes. and Benson. It's a comedy show, started in 1979. Lots of other stuff as well. Music-wise, there was a new number one song in Canada. I was a Canadian icon that was number one, Anne Murray. She spent one week at the top this week with her single, I Just Fall In Love Again, which I listened to today and was pretty dreadful. Also, a new number one in the US, the disco hit Knock On Wood by Amy Stewart. A song which didn't get to number one in Canada until May 5th. And only reached number six in the UK. And in the UK, the UK charts this week were still dominated by Art Garfunkel's Bright Eyes from the film Watership Down. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the Whitecaps playing Portland Timbers in the first Cascadian Derby of 1979. On April 20th, it was played. 2-1 Whitecaps win. Interesting game, this one. Trevor Weimark put the Whitecaps in the lead in the 11th minute, had a chance to make them two up 10 minutes later, but missed a penalty. Portland then pulled it back before half-time, and then a controversial moment in the 76th minute that led to the winning goal. Was VAR involved? No, but VAR should have been involved. That was the thing. Kevin Hector crashed a shot off the bar or into the goal, because the goalpost at the Old Empire had a bar at the front and a bar at the back in the goal. For stabilisation. Yeah, in 1978, a ball had hit the bar at the back and came out and a goal wasn't given. Oh. And then replay showed it had gone in. Like 66. Yeah. Well, that was, that's just a complete farce. Don't yeah. get me started on that. But in this one, Hector, the ball went straight in, hit the crossbar at the back and came back out again. But this time, Weimark was in hand to tuck it in for the winning goal. Oh, gotcha. But replays again showed it had gone in initially. And the very next day, because there was so much of an outcry, they went and removed those bars forever from the goals at Empire. And that was 1979 this week.
But we're moving into the future, or present day, 40 years in fact, to cover the MLS West News of the Week. Rounding up what's happened in MLS this weekend. Now the Caps finished the weekend third bottom of the West, five points back of a playoff place. It's not that big a gap to close. I mean, feel, things feel like we're so distant from the rest of the, the league, but yeah. we're five th- points out right I'm now. almost sure, uh, I saw this before any of today's matches, oh, although I don't think any of today's matches were doing well. All the people that were not in the, all the teams not in the playoffs, we have the best goal differential. Because oh, we haven't been blown out. We haven't, been, up. We haven't been blown out by anybody. Mm. It's always been one goal losses. Interesting. Yeah. It was the oh no, we've come wearing the same thing weekend across the <laughs> league. I couldn't figure out. I was watching replays. I didn't. I can. I wouldn't. Can't figure out who's who was what team. Honestly, <laughs> I know because what they had in the TV is they would have like say Columbus. And they would have their name in dark blue, but then underneath them they had the light blue. Yeah. And then they had the other team in light blue, and underneath was the dark blue. And it you're like, didn't make uh, sense. What? My my wife was not really paying any attention. She was reading a book, and I was watching the LAFC game today. And she looked up and she went, "You watching the White Cats game again?" <laughs> I was like, "No, this is a different game." And she's like, "Why are they wearing the same strip?" I was like, "Exactly. It's, let's get you on the show." Okay, okay. It was it was for a good cause. Yeah, I was going to say let's let's talk about the other side because I agree with you in principle, but at least it was for a good cause, right? Well, was it? Well, do you, do you want that much plastic in your oceans? Okay, it's for a and good kill cause. Everything? But how much actual attention does it draw to? It, is it not just a bullshit marketing gimmick? To it's sell got you strips? talking. It's got you talking about how annoyed I am. But all the queue up angry bastards. But I'm sure the uh, if I'm not mistaken, all the money, some of the proceeds are going to uh, the ocean funds. If I, am I mistaken on that? Uh, I don't know. I thought I could. I heard some kind of release about the strips when they did that. I don't know. I it's the same guys that do that commercial on TV and they sell this bracelet made of plastic from the oceans. And all their money, well, all their money goes to the cleanup. I know Adidas has been doing this for a number of years with a bunch of their clubs around the world, right? So, like, yeah, I think there's some kind of connection to... Yeah. Teams should be playing, though, in their proper colors. I didn't like that every team played in the same color combination. It's like, have could, a bit of variety. No, the kits were bland as hell. No, as but well. couldn't they uh, color the kits, if, even if they were recycled? Yeah, they, can, they could do whatever they wanted oh. with them. And uh, other countries have done stuff as well with it. Can you imagine Man United playing in Man City's sky blue colours? I don't see that happening. And as a big Man U fan, I mean, you'd... Yeah, you'd Zach, what do you think about you'd this? Be up in, what about Bayern if they had to play in Man City colours? If they had to play in Dortmund colours? No, well, actually, I don't know if, you, I don't know if we talked... I think we might have talked about oh, this before. No, 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 real quick, real quick. Uh, I think they came out the other day and said, look, in the future, none of our home kits will have any blue in them outside of the, what's on the crest. Because the, the supporters hate when there's blue in their... Like, for example, when Frock Ribery showed up at Byron, and I think it was in his first year, he was sponsored by Nike, and he put on some uh, Nike blue boots. And the suit curva, like, told him never... Like, they expressly let him know, never wear blue boots again, and he never has. Oh, interesting. I guess, like, Celtic and Rangers, you're not gonna, they're not going to want to wear green and blue kits as well. Let's get to the action, though. Good Friday... Saw three matches featuring Western Conference teams, and it was a fairly good Friday for the Whitecaps in terms of results from from the teams that you have to feel we're going to be chasing down for for a playoff place. RSL went to Cincinnati, though, and it was a strange performance. They won 3-0. Cincinnati were pretty dominant in the match up until RSL scored, and then it just all went to shit for Cincinnati. Richie didn't get any support at all. No. 
RSL hit them with two goals in the closing minutes of the first half, then a Rusnik penalty just before the hour mark gave him a double and kind of wrapped up the win, making it back-to-back wins for RSL now after they had gone four games on a, on a losing streak. For Cincinnati, though, that's four games in a row now without a goal from open play. And after their good start, a lot of which all kind of have been the buzz of being new. They're, they're struggling a little bit, and you kind of feel that this is already a big test for Alan Koch just in the early going. You, you thought it would be, but they're still in a playoff spots just now. When do they get the new stadium again? Is this year or is it next year? I think it's next year. It's a whole one whole year there? Yeah. I thought it was less. I think, but so. I think it's a little bit more even than a year. I thought they were going to get that uh, new stadium bump at some point this year. Oh, well, hopefully. Minnesota were another team involved in Friday night. That's oh, a wow, what a game burn that was. burner for match. Yeah. I actually really enjoyed this, despite the fact that Toronto won. And but for us, it was good that they won, though. D- different jerseys, though, so maybe different times. Oh, that may be why, yeah. 4-3 win for Toronto in the end. Four lead changes. Three players grabbing two goals each. Canadian super sub Jordan Hamilton being the match winner Happy with two and goals in two minutes spent. And he, those two were well taken goals. Yeah. I felt... So bad for Boxel on that winner. The the awkward bounce on the grass. Mm. Not just turfy, <laughs> horrible bounces. I, well, I or, or maybe you just misjudged it. Well, <laughs> in headlines, I'll be talking a little bit about that grass. Yeah. I, it was good for us at TFC1. And Pozuelo, again, looked impressive, especially in the first half. Two goals and an assist on the night. You just yearn for us to find someone like that to be able to bring here. Like he's, he's essentially a shock creator. He can create yeah. his own shot. He doesn't need anybody else setting him up. He can, and he's a he, difference maker. And he can set people up and he can create his own shots. Friday finished off with LA Galaxy. Made a little bit of hard work in the end and getting past who had been the previously undefeated Houston Dynamo. It's 2-1 in the end. 88th minute winner from the head of Diego Polenta. Zlatan earned another penalty. Defenders, I don't know if he's in their head just because of who he is. But they're doing stupid things. They're making challenges and putting arms on him and doing all this stuff that's giving him the opportunity to go down. Yeah. And it, it makes how Daniel handled him, especially in that first half, yeah. all the more impressive and when he, you see what these other guys are and doing. And he only scored because he got away from Daniel. Yeah. He was lucky to get the penalty in the end. It wasn't his best taken penalty, but... I mean... It, you need a guy that can, can earn penalties. And it, it looked like it was a penalty this time, but it was another stupid challenge by the defender. Yeah, it was a penalty. Yeah. There was only one winless team now left in MLS, and that's Colorado Rapids. My tips to be the dark horses, <laughs> maybe not quite working out. They went down to a heavy 4-1 loss in Chicago, and they looked bad. They finished with 10 men. Jack Price got sent off late on. I thought it was nine. Was oh, no, no, that's another game. That was a Toronto game. game. Toronto game sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When Minnesota yeah. finished with nine men. I forgot about that. The only bright spot, really, for Colorado was Kai Kamara got his fifth e- goal of the season. Equalizing header. Yep. Good Tied for him. Tied it up. Stayed that way for a big chunk of the match as well. He's got five goals, whereas our whole attack or our whole team's got six. I, I don't think that fact would be lost on Kai Kamara. I'm sure it would. Well, somebody can remind him that uh, his defense has allowed a lot more goals than the Whitecaps have. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have some sure banter with him when he's here. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it stayed 1-1 until Chicago then just kind of ran riot in the second half. You have to feel, I talked about this, about some coaches in MLS, their jobs are in peril. 
Anthony Hudson. I think he's done. How Very how soon. much longer can he hang on? I don't June. think he's here past the end of May. I was saying Does June. he even make it past yeah. the end of April at this Because is it their Gold Cup break? Yeah. Yeah. Expect the firing at that point. Mm. He's your if he, he's this continues. He's the he's Kiwi. Kiwi. Yeah. Well, his Kiwi coach is English. Right, right. That's and he's a great guy to speak to, which is a shame because when we spoke last year, he was quite open. And I, I like coaches that are open, especially when you've not spoken to them before. And then they're just really open and they talk to you about stuff. Well, Bob Bradley seemed open with Steve. Yeah, he was very open. Very forward. Yes. Using the language of the everyday man. He wanted to talk about things that even Steve didn't want to talk about. (laughs) He only had, uh, talk about Hudson, uh, he's only had eight wins and 10 draws in 44 games. Yeah. That means 26 losses. Not a great record. He he can't hang on for too much longer, no. surely. You don't want to call for managers to go, but they need something to change there. They've changed the squad and it's not happening. You have to change the coach. Well, you are the changing of the guard there because Howard's retiring, right? Yeah. This is his farewell tour. Yeah, yeah, he'll be crossing the line at the end of the year. Um, <laughs> another coach who's not having a great year at all is the Atlanta coach. Oh, Frank de Boer. And he is another one. I wanna, I wanna Does give, he hang on past this summer? I want to give a quick funny story. I was I was on Twitter. All of a sudden, I see a retweet from Joe DZ of the preview show, and he retweets the uh, welcoming tweet of Atlanta to de Boer, like when he got hired. Oh, yes. And then when I saw that, I go, oh, shit, Atlanta lost again. <laughs> That's that First, right away, I knew what had happened. Yeah, 2-1 loss. Now, they, they played well. For chunks of the second half, they were they were quite dominant for a big chunk of the second half. Dallas took a six minute lead. Atlanta had so many chances. Breck Shea missed an open goal, and it was from a tight <laughs> angle. I will say that I, I had that on. When and the happened. commentators were shocked that he had missed an open goal. Yeah, did, did, did you not tweet in a gif of last year? Last year, no, or? I did tweet. I don't know how they were shocked. Yeah, I got a lot of retweets. I, it was a tight angle. He needs to finish. A sh- a former designated player in a, in a team <laughs> needs to finish a chance like that. But Martinez missed a, a good chance. There was a couple of oh, other sitters missed as yes. well. And then Where he put it just like by the post yeah, when he should have won it. Yeah, yeah. Dallas then made a two-goal lead in the 84th. And although Atlanta pulled one back, it's in the 97th minute. Yeah, it was a penalty, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I was talking to someone. I, I, I can't remember all of our thoughts originally when Frank DeBoer came, although I think pretty sure we said he had big shoes to fill and you would hope he doesn't fall into the trap he's had at his like, previous three clubs. But I was talking to someone who's a, who is a big, uh, who's Dutch, who's a big Ajax uh, person. Uh, like you'll see him at BC Place or a training, always wearing his IX hat. And he just said, I have no time for Frank DeBoer. Just like his personality is so negative and so non-relational, basically, that uh, even though he, he has been a part of great things in the history of IX and to a lesser degree the Dutch national team, that he is not, uh, not a player who's known uh, for maybe how he can work with, work with I think, People slash players, right? As a as a as a like a man manager. Well, LAFC lost to their um, uh, their former assistant coach, yeah, and did. obviously, and then this is the game we're going to talk about. Portland defeated their former coach. Yep. So there you go, right there. And Portland's no longer undefeated. Do you know what? I oh, ne- Woodless. I never actually clicked about that. <laughs> yeah. But oh, I was yeah. watching the game and stuff. You, and were, then you didn't see the report. I never. You did, did you just think he was on Portland? No, I, I, I didn't really. I only watched the highlights. I didn't pay any attention to it. So I didn't think too much about it. But yeah, Timbers 3 1 win. First win of the season. 
first time they'd led a game since the first game of the season. <laughs> two goals in four first half minutes is what got them in that two 0 lead. And Columbus did pull it back. That goal was incredible. Half. That goal was fin- Atanella Howler. No, but the the, the finish. Oh, a lovely finish. Yeah. But, but I don't know what he was even. Th- I think he slept. Uh, stoppage time winner, or tying it up from Jorge Morera. I don't see the Timbers all building on this, which is what you want to do after a win. Like, we didn't. The Timbers now go to Toronto. Yeah. Well, Next they ha- Saturday. Yeah. They've got Columbus this weekend, and then they have to go back to play well, Toronto. Well, maybe they stay in the East. They I'm, don't do that, though. I know. For some should. reason. I mean, the so maybe hotels are more yeah. expensive yeah. than rest. Yeah. So it's absolutely ridiculous. And I know it's arrivals, and yay, great. But come on. That is just terrible scheduling. Yeah. Now, if you think that was a shock, <laughs> this yes. next game. When I saw... I. I hadn't seen the result. Har sent me a message going, San Jose's just thumped Kansas City. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and then I checked it and they thumped them. Yeah. They were dominant. But it could have been different. They were, now, it could have been because Chris Wondolowski didn't start. Or did he? No, I can't remember. Well, I don't think he, no, he, he did. did yeah. didn't get in the score sheet either. He's yeah. never going to break this record. San Jose were two goals up in 12 minutes. Danny Hussan, two good goals. You think, okay, they're going to be coasting. But KC missed a penalty when they yeah. were 2-0 Namath down. right over the bar. Could that have been a difference maker? Well, of course. Would that have allowed them to get back in? Well, yeah. It, well, we all know. 2-0 two two is the most yes. dangerous lead in the league. <laughs> Turning the pressure up. Not a great night for them. They also lost Matt Beasler to injury. Lovely third goal, though, by the Quakes. Shea. Shea Salinas. Shea now. Yeah. Shea now. But the last thing we need... Is San Jose starting to find their feet and look good? Yeah, they won't. I don't, I don't <laughs> this know. This is just one of those things. They, they've had three good performances now in, in a row and a couple of wins. It, de- it depends on if they prefer to be 2-0 up or 4-0 down. Yeah. I, I prefer it to be 4-0 down. Now the match of the week, as uh, promised. Yes. Or, or it, kind it, of advertised. It, it was the result of the week for yeah. me. LAFC yeah. 4, Seattle Flounders 1. It was a joy watching LA in this one for a couple of reasons. They played some lovely football, but also they hammered Seattle. Yeah, Mark Anthony K. Mark Anthony K. A hat trick of assists. Only his first and, and the first and third were real. So the second one, I think, was one of those MLS second assist things. Yeah, he he got it though. But that the one on the first goal, beautiful, yes. beautiful pass. Two pass more goals week, from Carlos Vela. Nine now for the, for the season for him. Seattle. They pulled one back, and I thought, oh, how are they back in this? Because they shouldn't have been. Harry, and then they, Harry they Ship, right? Yeah. Superstar Harry Ship. Super sub, I should say. They were missing some players. Rui Diaz, Marshall, someone else as well. I can't remember who it was. Just a couple of their top players. Yeah, it's just a few. But they looked second best in this. And it kind of makes you think, oh, our performance, albeit against a makeshift defense, did look good. And now they meet next Sunday in Seattle. Oh, yeah. That's Another just, scheduling. again, more bizarre scheduling. I, I'm, I've, I've trumpeted this in the past. The league needs to have this thing where it, you play every... I mean, in an ideal scenario, a league should be where you play everyone once, and then you play them in the second half of the season, and you play them once again. If you yep. played them home in the first yep. half, you play them away in the second half. I mean, we, we've seen it with us. We've had San Jose back-to-back last season, which could have been really telling games. And it's, Yeah, split the season up. But that, that was the MLS West for this week. We're just going to round off this section with wavelength time. And we're continuing Football Violence Awareness Month. Now, we heard from Mark DeSantos in part two from Quebec. Speaks French. We heard from Max Cropot 
in part three from Quebec, speaks French. So I thought I'm going to make things a little bit different for this week's Wavelength. We're going to bring you a song. Can you guess what? From Quebec in French? No, from France in French. This is a band called Bolshoi and it's called Hooligan. Bolshoi there with a song called Hooligan about the death of a West Ham hooligan stabbed to death up in Liverpool but we'll be back in part 5 Hi I'm Mark Anthony Kay and you're listening to the AFTN radio show
was running through the six with miles. King Cash, you know how it goes. I get a Ferrari and I swear. I get a Bugatti Shaking it so loud and I'm not Take a fine for that Yeah, it's been where you find me, yeah It's been where you find me, yeah I was running through the six with my Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM I liked that song. It wasn't one of my selections. Tell us what it was, Steve. It was uh, Know Yourself by a Canadian group called Dilly Dally. That was really good. I want to check out more of that. We'll be wrapping up soon because I want to get up early for my cheap eggs. So what, that How means early? What time? Are you going to be there at 10? 7. 7? Seven. What yeah. opens at 7? Walmart. Superstore, Walmart. Walmart opens oh, okay. at 8 or 7. It's, it's okay. a holiday Monday, isn't it? Or just, uh, just Yeah, you might yeah. wait 60 hours. But there's lots of Scottish people in Vancouver. <laughs> I have to get there early ahead of Not that many. Ah. Colin Miller, me and him will be at the front, <laughs> banging on the door going, where's our cheap lint bunnies? Well, well we're gonna, before we get to the headlines, let's talk about the major headline that happened this week. Obviously, the big story this week uh, happened during the LAFC game. Well, the kind of before, just before the LA, the day of the LAFC game, when the Whitecaps released a statement um, mm. saying... I'm doing my air quotes. Yeah, yeah th- I did that too, yeah, a statement. Uh, basically not really saying anything. And I, I kind of, I don't know about you guys, I read it like three times ago, what are they trying to do here? Because yeah. it didn't make sense at all. I, I said in last week's show. It, all they did was kind of expand into yeah. what they had been saying before, but really still not saying anything. Okay, the, the, why they did it then is obvious. This is a, they've kind of followed like the same playbook they have on uh, other issues in the past when it comes to engaging with supporters. In the past, when uh, the supporters have expressed a concern about something that the front office the, the, is doing uh, and said that they're going to do something in response to that, this yeah. is what they have done. They've released a public statement to try and um, show that they care or show that they're engaging with or show or share their perspective or, or share, share info on the situation or whatever. So you saw this with the Cascadia scarf when they uh, – <clears throat> When they went about getting going around the trademark in a, a way that I think it's fair to call uh, was shady. That, well, it was it was definitely with a lack of respect uh, to their own supporters. Yeah. So, uh, but that, the problem is they show that the, you're saying they're trying to show that they care, but the the statement itself was so well, cold. Uh, sorry, trying to show that they care and also curtailing public perception. Yeah, well, is what I think the the attempt is at. To well, show that they're not not doing anything. They're trying well, to. Whoever they hired to write this letter, they should be let go. I saw your tweets. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't very good. Yeah. Um, very robotic. They didn't even like. I didn't even realize this. I, uh, like uh, other people mentioned this, and I go, "Oh yeah, that's right." They never. Nobody even signed it. It was just like from the Whitecaps FT. It was like a so generic wow. statement. Don't you think that the? I I don't understand the head office, but maybe uh, a, an owner. Should have put their name to it or something like that to show that it's coming from the top. Um, they, they don't. They don't mention that there's going to be changes going on. They'll just say we're going to hire somebody and we'll see what they say about changes. No, that's not good enough. The, the lack of signing 
looked awful. Yeah, it did. Or, a lot of people that, were not happy yeah. with that. That was just a bad per- uh, the thing but, per- to put out as a perception. Like, they, you don't care because you know he's willing to yeah. put a name to it. Okay, so a couple things. One, if you're Bobby, I don't think you can have your name on that because you've no. been named in these things. Yeah. Or you, sorry. It's, you've been name, alleged. His, his you've name, been alleged. Yeah, his name there. has been brought up in the articles. Yes. Is that fair to say? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I can understand why that, but it also fits with how they've in the past done things in terms of like, let's protect, let's protect people by, by saying it's the whole, right? Yeah. So, you know, when they released Martin Rennie, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't me as an individual who did it. It was the football committee who did it, right? Who chose to do it. So I think that was part of the mentality behind that. But again, if you, if you read some of the feedback, it was not received. That that element was one of the elements that was not received positively. I, mean, I said last week they were limited really in what they could say yeah. because if they say too much though and say, yep, we did things wrong, they're incriminating themselves, they're leaving them open to whatever further action might happen. And if they don't say nothing, people are like, or if they do say nothing, people are like, well, why are you not saying anything? And they just get abuse for that. Or you could release a statement and make it worse by basically saying nothing. And that seems to have been the road that, that they went down. And right away, the reaction to it online was just, it was brutal. Yeah. And they just made the situation worse for themselves, I feel. Yeah. I, the, the, the thing is very, they didn't have to take blame. All they have to say is that it, it's, I'm, I'm just paraphrasing. This wouldn't be my final step. This would be your first draft. Like they, they, all they need to say is like, we understand there was horrible things that occurred in 2008. We're we're gonna do everything in our power to get to the bottom of it. We're gonna we're gonna work with the police. We're gonna work with the w- women that were part of the team. We're gonna we're gonna turn over internally what's going on. We're gonna figure out what's. Go- they they just never. It was just so robotic the way they said it, and that's why I think it turned everybody off. But yeah, so a couple of things about Steve. It, it fits with their approach to to the whole club as a whole it's a business and it was a very businessy response it was a very yeah. cor- corporate corporate type, it is you're right corporate there. type response so yes. it was not out of character for who they are or how they've chosen to operate uh you know and that and that's that's fair that's not you know whether you see that as positive or negative whatever but uh i think i think <laughs> i think those steve in their eyes they've they they actually have done some of the things you were you're longing for in their eyes, <laughs> obviously not in other people's eyes, but I think in their eyes, them c- connecting now directly with the VPD on this is their way of saying we're 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 trying to do something. I'm not saying that I I'm not saying that's the right thing to do or how to do it or this whatever. Is, that's their. This is just my opinion. This is what it looks like to me. I'm not saying it's a fact or anything. Uh, my feeling is that they've turned it over to the VPD only because then they don't have to answer any questions because they, now they can say it's a police matter. This is a good discussion you guys are having, and this is what this is a discussion I've ha- I've heard uh, of friends and and people who care about football in, in Vancouver and Canada talk about because this is part of it is some people are very much like um, when you hear elements of this you become very enraged and very passionate and you you want something to happen you think uh, some change needs to happen right now and th- it should be at the top of everyone's priority and then there's the, the kind of the other perspective of we need to know more of the actual fact the detailed facts so that we know like so that how to know how this should proceed exactly next. i think there should be some kind of public for, uh, inquiry or or something released publicly to show exactly what were the steps taken and what like for example karen larson of cbc uh, talked to the ombudsperson. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and, and, well, and yeah. tweeted it out. And 
the 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 team was saying that the the they were hired to give uh, um, an idea of what to say or, or give a recommendation, and she said herself in the tweet that she can't speak to the because there's an NDA which yeah. Michael was talk, has talked about it weeks before. Uh, so she can't speak about the report's content, but she did say she was hired to investigate and present facts to the organizations. She was not hired to make a recommendation. Yeah, th- th- so that's a that's a different element of this that is really awkward, and it's hard not to believe that because uh, I mean, obviously, maybe the person's trying to save the, the save face for themselves of this uh, the investigator or whatever, but it's hard not to believe that. I, I've, I've asked some people that they're like, well, we need to yeah. know. I mean, that's, we need that's to know, stunning, how do we know if that's true? That's a stunning revelation from well, this week if, well, bec- it, if it's true. Well, because when I, this is, might be a terrible analogy, but when I heard that, it sounded like what the, what the white caps have been saying in their, in their press releases has been, it's been reminding me of like McDonald's back in the day. We serve 100% real beef. And then you find out the name of the of the company was 100% real beef that they were serving, right? Yeah. So when they say no recommendations were made to us, if it's true that this was not part of the person's job to give them recommendations, that's not really great. But that's a different – That's there's well, there's yeah. so many layers to because this. The CSA uh, gave a statement to our friend Harjeet Jahal for an article that she was writing for Equalizer Soccer. And they said in their statement as well, the ombudsman had no recommendations. So that's the line that they're both taking – but when you've got the ombudsman saying I wasn't asked to give any. It wasn't part of my purview. Yeah, it wasn't part that, of my job. That's yeah. a big thing. And talking about um, her, her's article, she she had a meeting with Cara last week and they, they sat down and they talked about a lot of things. A very telling quote for me that, that came out of it. She, Cara was asked, what, what, do you, what should happen to these people that were involved back then that are still involved with the team now? or still involved in soccer just now, should they still have jobs? And she said, I think anybody that was involved in any capacity in what happened in 2008, 2011, which are the allegations against the... Different Whitecaps women's women, coach, a different, coach, different yeah. coaches. And 2017, which is what happened in the Whitecaps residency youth programme with the guys. Yeah. I don't think they should have jobs. Part of their job is keeping athletes safe, and they've all failed immensely at it. Yeah, because it it's not even that they like things happen, but the, my biggest issue is that it seems like they're covering up stuff all the time. Well, instead I, of like if they had just gone and said you know, in some way had said that they were trying to protect the there was inappropriate stuff and they're trying to protect the kids. That's all they had need to say. They 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 would be held up at a high regard if they had said that something like that effect. So, so instead of trying to cover it up. So again, and I think we mentioned this when we originally started talking about this issue a number of weeks ago. But I, again, I think this comes from their approach to who they are and what they're doing. This is a company, and they're always trying to save face of it. Oh, for sure. So let's talk about 2017 as an example. Uh, the, in 2017, if I'm, you guys can correct me if I got this wrong. But my understanding is not that they didn't go to police in this incident, but they did not want what was happening and the findings, or the they didn't want they didn't want the issue to come to light to the public. It wasn't like they were like don't 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 the mother don't talk to the police. I think they had I think they connected with police on it, but they didn't want it to be in the public eye. Yeah, and so again, it's. I think that irks people. Uh, that I think that gets rubs people the wrong way. But maybe not the best word of phrase to use in this instance. But um, yeah, the, the, that's what people are, are getting infuriated about when they when they, you use the word cover up, Steve. Yeah. Again, it's not like they maybe didn't do every like they did a number of things right, 
but they also did everything they could to save their brand, to save their image, to save the reputation, all that kind of stuff, which in some way is understandable, but in another sense, it also probably makes a lot of people uncomfortable. And, and, and I think that, that that's kind of in, woven in, throughout this. Another element which we talked about in the past is is the is the disclosure issue, right? Where, where a player goes yeah. to someone in upper management says, I have a concern about this. Please don't mention these names. And those names allegedly are mentioned you can't have like that broken trust is a is a is a huge issue whether it's around these kind of issues or other issues you can't have broken trust like that in any kind of organization and then that person who obviously uh, uh it, w- it was a car's teammate that was the one of the people that was uh like exposed to the the coach that that they made a complaint and that person i, th- I think it was mentioned in the interview that was they basically quit the team because they couldn't handle the harassment that was happening after everything came to light. Yeah, I'm not sure who, who who's who in there, but yeah, that is part of. Well, it was Kyra and one of her teammates, yeah. And, yeah. and then she had already left. She said oh, she, she knew she was leaving. She yeah. knew she was leaving, yeah. so she didn't make a difference. But her, she didn't found care. out. She, she found out when she was. Yeah. She found out when she was away that that her friend was basically harassed so much, and that she eventually quit the team and right. quit soccer. There's, there's been a lot of coverage of this over the last couple of weeks, and last week it seemed to really ramp up a level well, I think, international right yeah well yeah that's that's the thing as well yeah the guardian in the uk has now published two articles on it two very very critical of the it's actually Caps the guardian us articles. it was the guardian through the us or something like that it's well the, it's the, the guardian us guy yeah, yes. wrote it, yeah yes, but it's on the actual guardian yes, you're right, UK yeah. Yeah, yeah. website so i mean it's got a lot of attention and with the women's world cup coming up you have to feel that if this hasn't been sorted out by then questions will start to get asked to officials that's over there and i know some people have mentioned this and maybe we have also in the past but one of the interesting and obviously there's people still heavily involved in the game that were a part of that team right christine sinclair was here for like part of that coach's reign and you have to also mention victor mentagliani who was head of bc soccer and i believe head of the the youth teams for canadian soccer as well at that time so i mean he was involved and um stephen moore is it I don't know. I couldn't see a say president. Uh, not Miller? Stephen Miller. Stephen. Stephen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Stephen Reed. Stephen, Stephen Reed, Reed, that's yeah. it. <laughs> Stephen Reed, the current CSA president, was involved, I think, with BC Soccer at that time as well. So, I mean, these people have been involved. A lot of the coverage of this week got kind of amplified by the supporters' walkout yeah. at the game at LAFC. So... A lot of discussion about this online. Tweet we got from Brookwood FC asked us, was it successful to do it? Or do we feel that something else should have been done? And will this now become a continual act? Not necessarily walking out, but protesting amongst the supporters about this. No, I think it was successful because it got on, it brought it to light on the mainstream media. I don't know if the mainstream media would have talked too much about it if well, it the, didn't get mentioned by TSN on, on that show. Obviously, game, they, 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 we well, knew it wouldn't. TSN Radio did. Yeah. And they didn't have to because there, there's no there's no video there yeah. or a picture. That was Pete Chad, right? Yeah, yeah. Pete Chad mentioned and, it. But Pete Chad, remember, he works for BC Soccer now as well. And he, I think, has played a role in making sure that they're dealing with this, they're uh, sharing their thoughts and perspective on can this. I, have been can I ask you one thing? There was a talk on the Twitter, too, about him not getting his license pulled for being a coach. Why can't you get your license pulled for being a coach? If you're if you're a doctor and you do a horrible job, you can get yeah, your medical I, license I, I pulled. Wouldn't, I wouldn't you could, see a lawyer can get disbarred. 
So why can't a coach well, get his license? That doesn't make sense. That's all, one man. of the issues, and that's one of the issues for these. These that's one of the, this all came forward, yeah. right? Is because the, these players were dumbfounded by yeah. the fact that he was still coaching. But I guess they it's would a mutual. It's a mutual consent thing. It's the NDA supposedly yeah. Yeah. that surrounds all this. That but, but they can also argue it's a qualification. So if you get a degree and you do something, your degree doesn't get pulled. Yeah, and another thing is, is the Coastal FC has right now escaped a little bit of this thing. Because uh, I think in the same article yeah, was mentioned by Kyra that the people that running uh, Coastal FC were at the Caps at the same time, yeah. and and and, uh, and and they if if they didn't know exactly what happened, they definitely heard scuttlebutt about what happened, and they should have known what was going on or De- or definitely. And, and, and Jack, Q&A with, and, with Jack Reddy, and Jack Reddy, uh, the former coach there, oh, sa- yeah. is, said in his statement that yeah. he mentioned it to the people that were hiring him. That what, didn't, you, didn't you hear this about what happened to him at the Whitecaps? So there is, they, they're gonna, they're probably gonna find their time in the light too. But what happened yeah, there? That, that I think I've yeah that whole I think will have significant ramifications. Yeah. But I think there, there's a couple of things. One, I, I yeah. I think the what happened at the game on Wednesday from the supporters, I think, was successful. And they, I think they feel successful. It was successful because it all they want is to is to support these support these players, um, and to see the the truth uh, come to light. And for the the change that the players want, yeah. that's what they're that's what they long for. And so I think this was I think this was a step. My concern is this because I'm a little bit torn in all this. Uh, in one sense, it's kind of like you need to allow time for like all this to 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 play out. Yeah. Now it feels uncomfortable to allow like wh- whatever. If it, it, finding out is there anything legal? Uh, if it wasn't legal, still, what should what else should be done? Like are the you know corroborate continue to corroborate these things or whatever? Like I I don't understand that process. I'm no expert on any of that, but I think in part that takes some time. And so I think there's a lot of impatience around that, and I think that's understandable. On the other side, you have people who want to. I think what last Wednesday was uh, the beginning of, of of raising raising the temperature on this or raising the profile of this. And so, in terms of, I think the question asked is, you know, will this be ongoing? I, I think that there's going to be a desire to like that was like uh, like the starting point, and it will. I don't know how quickly, but will escalate as time goes goes on, especially if something is not seen to be done but but i think yeah. what, what we what, what everyone longs for is like what really happened yeah because because the, 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 the whole the whole mob mentality yeah. can be a, a little a little bit much like it's good for the bringing light to things but can also be a little bit people just want blood like they they hear elements of things and they just like they 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 just need something to make them feel better about the situation which it, isn't necessarily bad in of itself, but I think with the social the social media mob mentality is a little bit yeah. scary. I think in our, in oh, our for world, sure. a little bit, uh, but a little I bit think, weird. I think most importantly, the people that need to know what's what happened are the women that were involved in that because yeah. they're very much in the dark of what, what happened. Totally, and it's important for them to find out what happened. Also, it's important to so these things don't happen. Well, obviously, it's hard to stop things from happening because you can see that it happens all the time. It seems like, but to stop. To kind of give, like she mentioned on the on, in the interview that she said that it, it's instead of these organizations investigating themselves, having a third party, like you got a human rights tribunal, right? To to yeah. for human rights and everything, and a better business bureau. Better, so, so why not have a third party to investigate 
uh, uh, like abuse that's happening inside Sport. orga- sports organizations because yeah. it happens a lot. And just to clarify your statement, there, Steve, you mean a different kind of third party, right? Cause yeah, a third it, party it went- where it's like it's it's the maybe the organizations pay for it out of their budget. And that third party reports to – like people can go to them and then they report to the police if something happened and then there's nobody in the organization that's involved in it at all. Right. And I think that's partly what what clarity people want because well, yeah. in one sense that's what was, I think was supposed to sort of happen with this original investigation in 2008. Um, but, but people question the fact that the Whitecaps were paying for this with Canada yeah. Soccer or whatever. So, I, yeah. But I think what people want, Steve, is a little bit more clarity on what are the best practices and what does – because the Whitecaps keep saying that we have the best policies, we have the whatever, but but I think some people want more clarity on what that looks Sorry, like. Sorry, the problem is with me with this is if this, happened, if this happened three times over a period of what eleven years, you may it's you three might want too much. Yeah, yeah three yeah. times. One time is uh, you should kind of you know nip it in the bud at that point. I I just think that if they can figure out uh, release what happened, let people find out what happened. Like I I I I hate asking to call for people's you know jobs and everything like that, but sometimes the responsibility needs to be put on somebody, and it, it might need to be put on somebody for this to f- once they find out what happened. Yeah. Because there's definitely, it's not all adding up at this point to me. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, yeah. I think the the I think the people who've come forward, uh, have, the players who've come forward have been very brave, and. If you know the, the police came out this week, right, or last week, and said, "Hey, we're we know about the blow, we know about these expressions, we know about what's going on. People have been telling their story. If anything criminal happened, please tell us." In one sense, it feels like uh, it, it's gonna it's gonna take someone to come and tell more details of their own personal story for this to move. I think forward in the way that the the these thirteen, fourteen players from the squad feel like it should. Yeah, I think. There's still a lot more to come out in this, and this is—it's not a story that's going away, no. which is good because I think, I think at first Cara thought it was maybe not going to get the traction it did, and then it, it's just suddenly escalated. Radio shows are talking about it, it's on TV, news things are talking about it, and it, it needs to be taken on more by I think the news people than just the sports people. Yeah. So that it's in mainstream coverage and not just like the CBC in sports reports yeah. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. We'll be talking a lot more about this, I'm sure, in the coming weeks. But that is it for tonight's show. We've not got time for any more soccer headlines. But just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. For me, it's at ZacharyAM, and I'm a part of the Movement Curve Collective. And I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada, on Instagram at AFTN Soccer. Give us a like and a follow on YouTube, AFTN Canada. And also, give us a nice rating and review on iTunes. We'll be back next week. Philadelphia Union come to town to play the Whitecaps on Saturday. There should be a preview show for that one during the week as well from Joe and the lads. But until next Sunday, thanks for listening. Take care. And mourn the Caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.
E F